Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. Good morning, everyone, and happy Monday. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Great to have you with us. Hope the weekend was good. It's 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here, Super Bowl champ. Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio is behind the board today. How are we doing, kids? Everybody doing all right? Everybody uh, hale and hearty and happy and healthy this morning? Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed? <sighs> doing wonderful. A Minus the bit. losses. The St. Louis teams took over the weekend. Yeah, you know, it happens. <laughs> Losses. The most important team won. That was the Eastwood Central Hawks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 22-0 over Pattonville and advancing in the playoffs. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, thank you, sir. Very good win. Good team win. Uh, you know, as a coach, you're never satisfied. I mean, you never, and I do mean, are you satisfied? Uh, because there are a lot of things that we can clean up, and hopefully we get those things cleaned up for next week, for this week. Let's there make it go. happen. Uh, if you slept last night, then this happened while you were sleeping. Sporting Kansas, St. Louis City SC, game one of a best of three first round playoff series. Sporting KU wins by a score of four to one. That was, it was ugly. It, well, ugly, mm-hmm. deflating. Deflating is good. Disappointing. Mm-hmm. What? How? What other Ooh. words can you use to describe it? I could not believe just the way that that whole match played out last night. For one, and we were going back and forth in the group chat about this last night, but why not have Sam Adinarin or Gio start with Klaus to start the game? And then even then, in those adjustments, after you get blasted in the first half, why not in the second half make those adjustments early on? You saw what happened in the first half, right? You need to have Sam out there. And I thought that when Sam finally did get into the match, that Klaus looked a lot better. Even though it was such a shorter amount of time, I thought that Klaus looked a lot better. So it was a little head-scratching to me when that happened, when you're just going with one striker. Even the announcers were, you know... I guess throwing off a little bit. That, bewildered, that, maybe? Yeah, be- bewildered is a good mm-hmm. word. They, they were just, you know, caught off guard that Sam Adinaran wasn't, didn't start the game, didn't, didn't, and when he did come in, as you said, they they were saying Klaus looked much better. He looked more comfortable, um, and there was, they were, I guess, under the impression that he would start, that, that City would come with the same type of uh, mindset that they have all year long, pressing, attacking, and really just getting after it, and it didn't, it just wasn't, um, it wasn't what you would call great. No. Here's the way it unfolded. Logan and Dembe scoring for Sporting Kansas in the 27th minute. But one minute later, City came back. Vasilev. Jackson tries to flick it on. It's Parker! That made it 1-1. Remy Walter scoring in the 36th minutes for KC. 
And then in the 39th minute, this was a deflator. It is amazing to me how quick and reactions are on point from Gotti Kinda. Oh, what a goal! What a half from Sporting KC! Okay, it was KC, but it was Kinda cool. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Nice. No. Well done. Yeah. Props to the fans, though, for showing up oh. and weathering through the weather yeah. because it was very cold and rainy last night. 22,000. Rock, I know that you were there. The atmosphere on TV looked absolutely electric but it was not electric with what you saw on the pitch no. last night that was just extremely disappointing yeah i mean the fans were incredible i mean the, the fact you know half of the you know the entire lower bowls out from under the overhangs so you're getting rained on it's 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 freezing cold uh, no matter where you were i mean it was it was it was it was rough out there. So the fans that come out there and cheer pretty much up to like the 85th minute when it was 4-1 and you're out of there. And mm-hmm. I saw people taking shots and it's like, are you kidding me? Get, you know, go home. It's completely <laughs> legitimate. You have, you have work. The kids got school. It's cold. That poncho stopped working in about the 65th minute. Mm-hmm. Go home. I completely understand it. It was an ugly game on the field. City never on played pitch. their game. Uh, they got completely ran. Bradley yeah. Carnell, the head coach of St. Louis City SC, on what his team needs to do, to his side needs to do, to generate more scoring chances. Getting progressively up the field a little better, you know, I thought uh, we played too brave. Uh, we didn't play brave enough, you know, uh, we're a little bit cautious in certain moments. And, you know, sometimes you have to will yourself to a positive action um, and, and getting the ball in certain areas of the field. So I thought we were just a little bit too passive um, and, and not brave enough at certain times. And, you know, um, yeah, listen, we, we, we want to play vertical. We want to play progressive. Um, and we want to get the ball in the opponent's half. Um, and then we want to play the game. So uh, we didn't get too many of those moments in the opponent's half to then get a back line up and then to get into the final third and then to control the, the proceedings. So we never really got to that momentum. Um, yeah, and and that was, you know, credit to them um, partly. But also, yeah, I think uh, 58% possession, if I'm not mistaken, um, that's not our signature, you know. Um, at times when we're leading 3-0 and we can control the game, then by all means. Um, but yeah, that's that's where a little bit more bravery came in, should come into it. To put it in layman's terms, they got punched in the mouth. Nope. Mm-hmm. They did. Quickly. Yep. And, uh, and, and kept getting punched in the mouth. They, they responded with one punch back, uh, but were un, unable to just keep going forward and, and sporting mm-hmm. KC and going to give them their respect today. Uh, <laughs> just kept going after, kept coming after them. And, and mm-hmm. it was, it just wasn't, it didn't feel like the, the, the city that I've seen that we've watched all year long, just, it didn't feel the same. So hopefully, you know, you get some time off and you get some, you get some time to correct some things this week before you head to Kansas uh, and hopefully get a, get a win there. Well, and what works for City SC is to force them into possession and effectively low block them. City SC, when he was talking about possession, City SC has won one game all season when they've had 50%, well, less than 50% possession. And that was versus that Dallas team. And so when you're not doing that, it felt like it was not their game. It felt mm-hmm. like they weren't getting in their game. And I think it circles back to the way that you started the game. Sporting KC came out hot in that in that match last night. And they looked like they were ready to go. They were aggressive from the start. And I felt like that had to do a lot with I was confused, and we were talking about it just a minute ago. Why not have Sam or Gio start with Klaus? Why not have two top forwards up top? And Carnell was asked about that last night. I didn't start a striker, you know, might have been Joa or Sam. You know what I mean? So uh, we chose to go with uh, the extra 10 in the midfield. And, uh, 
you know, we thought we'd create a little few more passing la lanes between the lines, um, you know, and it didn't really set up the way we wanted to. Um, I thought we were a little bit too passive for that on the night. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. We'll have to just see what we decide coming uh, over the next couple of days. But um, that was the decision we went with tonight. But, um, you know, I don't think there's any guarantees that it was over Nico or Sam. So they'll have a different looking lineup in game two next week for Sporting KC and St. Louis City SC. On uh, Friday, we talked about what a complete game the Blues had played the night before. They played another complete game on Friday night. <laughs> a complete what? <laughs> well, complete piece of <laughs> whatever. They, they had a game? Uh, yeah, here's their coach, uh, Did Chief. they know? Yeah. Oh, we got out skated, no work, pretty much. P took three penalties in the first period. Four, maybe. Three or four. I mean, you're on your heels. We got out of there one nothing. so, you know, I came out and, you know, gave up another goal and just sloppy. Not very good. Came out of the gates out, shot 15-2. to two. It didn't get any better from there, and great. they lost 5-0. It's not great. How do you Mike? How? I just want to know how. Because we, we sit here and we talk about, you know, as a professional athlete, mm -hmm. You, you perform the ups and downs of this team so far this season are astounding. I mean, it, it's you wouldn't be able to do this if you tried, I don't think. But I don't know if they're trying. I don't know if, if from game to game, what happens after a win that makes you say, yeah, we got it, we're good. And then you show up the next game and get your teeth kicked in and mm -hmm. you're like, eh, maybe we're not that good. Maybe we need to try a little. What is, what is that? One of the things that's sense. historically happened with the Blues, and I don't know why, maybe it happens with every team, but I just don't watch closely enough. But it seems like after they have a win, like they had against Calgary, all of a sudden they think they're good, and they can just throw the pucks out on the ice, and they're going to win the game. doesn't work that way. You've got to get out and work every single night. And clearly, on Friday night, they didn't work as hard as they needed to work, and they were outplayed and outskated and out-efforted by the Canucks. It was just, it was sloppy, it was slow, it was bad. Verona had a healthy scratch for two games, so you have that 24-hour period with the back-to-backs. I was honestly expecting Verona to be back in at least that second game, but I do understand if something worked against the Flames, you're going to try to do it the next day, essentially, and it didn't work. It just looked poor. <sighs> I don't think the 24 hours is an excuse, and I know that the Blues didn't use it as an excuse, but I hope in their mind they're not trying to, behind the scenes, trying to reason, say, well, it was just 24 hours. If anything, you should have built off the momentum. And the highs and lows, when they lose, they lose so badly this season. And it's so early on. But how many times do we say that with the Cardinals? Right. It's, it's early yeah. on. It, it feels like that almost essentially, obviously, two very different sports. But remember with the Cardinals early on, when they lost, it was very deflating and demoralizing. And it just felt like it was just more than a loss. It felt like there was something very glaringly wrong. Let's throw one other possibility out there, that the Blues just aren't that good. That would be, uh, and, and as we said before, the athletic writers may have been absolutely mm -hmm. correct, that this team is not going to win more than two games or lose more than mm -hmm. two games in a row. They are middle of the pack, middle of the road, just there. But with that being said, that's still an issue. The issue being... Not competing every single night. Right, consistent effort. That, that to mm -hmm. me, if you can go from one night, one game to the next and not perform at a level where you say, okay, 
that team was just better than us. You know, we're, we're still working on some things. We're not we're not good enough at this moment. But when you go from losing in the manner and how you lost to the Coyotes, then you come back and you beat the Penguins. You're like, okay. Then you lose to the Jets. You're like, and then you beat the Flames. You're like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. good. We, we, we might actually. <laughs> and then you come out and lay a complete egg against the Canucks. That, to me, is troubling that you can't have the consistency from game to game, mm-hmm. night to night. These are the same players, if I'm not mistaken. I don't care where you travel to. I don't care how. It, it, none of that matters. It, it's not. It's not like the '70s where you're taking buses throughout the country or '60s. No, you're flying. You're flying. You're getting there in a reasonable reasonable amount of time. There's no reason for the ups and downs that this team is having at, at this moment. The World Series is even at a game apiece. They'll play Game Three tonight. They'll be crazy at Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. The St. Louis and the Parkway Central product, Max Scherzer, goes against Brandon Fott <laughs> of the Snakes. And uh, let, let's go Snakes. Snakes are... Really? <laughs> really? Yeah, Snakes are fun. Really? Okay, you're going like, to go with that. Is that because Tommy Fam and what he did in Game 2? Uh, are you a Tommy Fam fan? I am a, I am a Fam fan. <laughs> but what about what Adolis Garcia did in Game 1? That's pretty know, impressive. I mean, that was... Pretty impressive. Pretty nice. All yeah. these former Cardinals, huh? Yeah, there's a few running around and <laughs> participating in this series. And uh, college football on Saturday, if you missed it, Kansas beat Oklahoma, number six Oklahoma, 38-33. Mizzou didn't play and moved from 16 to 14. The guys have got it figured out. Just have buys the rest of the season. They'll be number six at the end of the year. There we go. Yep. Well, they there got we a go. game this weekend versus a Georgia football team. That I is know, 2.30 on CBS, Kerry. They're rocking and rolling. When's the last time the Tigers had a 2.30 CBS Saturday game? Do we know? McKernan will remember. Yeah, McKernan will uh, have that. Is game day at the game? No. Probably not because... Um, Who's playing that weekend? Um, is that Bama? No, it's not, it's not Big Bama's Bama Bama's LSU uh, at night on CBS. Yeah. I need to get to a Bama yeah. I need to get to Bama an LSU LSU's, game at night. I mean, that's always hard, tough to beat. Yeah, I need to get to one of those. Um, there aren't any other uh, yeah. top 10 matchups. It could be. Why wouldn't it be? What's going on here? Why do they you not want K-State to? K-State and Texas. I care, a lot less, I, care, I care a lot less about game day when it's... When yeah. it's in in Georgia, yeah, you well, it's should not want at your team to be on game day. What are we no, doing? No, I want game day, but What's I just I care here? a lot more about the whether or not it happens when it's going to be in Columbia. Have you ever heard of the saying "beggars can't be choosers"? Sorry, buddy. Fourteenth overall in the nation right now. Oh my god! Ain't no beggars here. Have you met Matthew Rocky, <laughs> no, by the way? I have not. Oh, okay. Clearly. That's it. No beggars here, kid. I don't know what you're talking about, buddy. <laughs> do I don't know if that quite applies to him. USC. What? No, I don't want they to see USC do, Washington. Uh, US, uh, LSU Alabama. Right? LSU Alabama. I think there's a good chance to LSU Alabama. Yeah. Why not? Let's not make it lost some games. I think it should be a Georgia. I think you're right. There you see. Not, huh. I think you're right. I think you it should know, be a Georgia. You know what I realize about you? You're just going to have a rebuttal until you finally come along. Like, you're going to have whatever Until you it give is. me a reason not to? <laughs> wow, what a novel concept. No, no. It's like, it's like, a, it's like I want a reason you know to agree I, with I, you. I, I love you, Rock. <laughs> These side conversations. If you guys could only hear how it goes in the post-show oh, We need meeting. our own show. Rock and I need our own show. Two hours every every once a week. I'm gonna say you guys are gonna and, burn and we'll through solve, a memory man, we'll card. Solve through the, we'll solve through the issues of the world. <laughs> they got nothing else going on on 1057 HTML. <laughs> they, they could use us. So uh, Utah. Okay, no, that was last week. Right? Game, somebody said game, game day, day is at Ole Miss. Miss. Who's oh, that makes sense. What are they, who yeah, are they playing at the Grove? Yeah, that'd be that's smart. Who are they playing? Why do why do we care about Ole Miss? Uh, they're top 25. Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Oh, that'll Shall be fun. I, what's Texas A&M's record? Uh, not great, not especially great. for a hundred million dollar coach. 
He's made a lot of money. Him and Ken, uh, Sumlin have about the same record, and they mm-hmm. fired old Summy. In yep. fairness to the people they at Game Day, four and five and three. Next week yep. at Georgia, they they also they have Ole Miss, so you can just do that game too. You if you don't go to G- Georgia this week, hmm. we're off and running here on the opening drive. Coming up, what we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> All right, here's what we loved about the weekend here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, do you want to start? Oh, yeah. Number two. This weekend, I got to debut my Halloween costume, guys. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Nice. And I dress up as one of the greatest couples in sports, no, not Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Okay. But Talladega Knights, Ricky Bobby, Ricky and Carly Bobby. Bobby. Yes. And you might say they're fictional. It's not real. It's real to me, guys. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. And so David and I dressed up David, obviously Ricky Bobby, because I'm going to dress up as Carly. It was a fantastic costume. But guys, we lost the couple's costume contest with no, the Halloween party that we went to. Who won? Uh, the couple that dressed up as almost famous characters. Almost famous. You know that movie with Kate Hudson where no. she was like a groupie? I, I have no clue. No? Okay. No. So somebody Sorry, else. And that's not, what I'm saying. So when you here. see when you see the full <laughs> ensemble for how David and I dress up, you could immediately tell that we were Ricky Bobby so or Ricky Bobby and Carly. You feel like you should have won? Yeah. You ain't first, you're last. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Well, do you think maybe that a costume change halfway through to the Amy Adams character, who he ends oh. up with at the end of the movie, do you think that could have swung the, the judges in your favor? Possibly, yeah. Like they were like, oh, no, I don't know. Like she cheated on him halfway through the movie with, with Dale. I don't like this girl. <laughs> uh, it, 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 public opinion went against you. I think maybe that's what it was. But it was a fun weekend, guys, just celebrating Halloween, dressing up as Ricky and Carly Bobby, and we Ricky had a Bobby. lot of fun. Yes. Real simple, son. Cops are coming. There's a kilo of Colombian Bam Bam under the car. Time to be a man. Chip, I'm coming at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> you wish that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. It's it's such a great uh, movie, that's, right? You got a lot of quotes. Very, very good. Uh, uh, my no- Someone oh, didn't love you enough when you were little, did they? <laughs> now give me a one-liner from Almost Famous. I have no clue. Never heard exactly. Never, never, you hear that Halloween party? It. You hear that? I've never seen it. I don't think. Hmm. You, you you name some people in it, but I don't know. about <laughs> <laughs> Kate Good Hudson. Luck. That's about it. Yeah. That's all I can remember. Pretty sure he screams, I'm king of the world on top of a roof, and that's it. There that's you all, go. That's all I got in my head. Yeah. Same. Don't know anything about it. So David did go up to the almost almost famous guy <laughs> on Saturday at the party, and our 101 ESPN microphones were there. But maybe, just maybe, you might challenge me. <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, so my number two, I mean, I, it was a great weekend of football, um, you know, NFL, college games. But watching the Bengals do what they do out in San Francisco against the 49ers, a team that I picked to be in the Super Bowl, uh, I, I told you all, Joe Burrow getting over that calf injury, having that week off last week, you know, really settling down and settling this offense down. 
you know, it's been a it's been fun to watch the Bengals figure things out. Jamar Chase is back doing Jamar Chase things. Joe Mixon scores a touchdown. They're they're running the ball not as much as I would like, but they're still they're running the ball enough. Um, and defensively, they they had a Pratt had a interception that I don't know how in the world he even got that interception. But they're playing at a high level, and it's fun to watch the Bengals, despite all the the injuries and issues that they had to start the season, start to come around. Guys, my number two was yesterday over at Chaffetz. The Billikens with uh, an exhibition game against Berea. They went at 98-60. to 60. Now, Berea's a D3 school, and it was an exhibition game. But Travis Ford has said he wants his team to fire up 33-pointers a game, and they were firing up the three-pointers. It was a fun game to watch, and it looks like it's going to be a fun team to watch. It's going to be a team without a clear number five. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to have a, a lot of three-guard looks, and you're probably going to have some real challenges, especially once you get into conference play. But it'll be, if not a great team, it'll be a fun team to watch. So it's kind of like the opposite of the Cardinals. They, yeah. got a lot of, they got a lot of ones, twos, and threes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a good one. Number one. My number one is going to be City SC continuing to make history. First goal is just getting things started this season for City SC, right? And being able to start this inaugural season, not many people were expecting them to do anything. We've talked about that a lot about what the national pundits have said, but they were able to make history this regular season. And this was the first playoff match. This is the first time that they're doing this in history too. Now, the performance on the pitch is not what you wanted to see, but the fans, the atmosphere that they created last night was just absolutely incredible to see. 22 thousand plus. I was watching all the videos of people coming in, dressed for the weather and they weathered through all of that. And even towards the end there, honestly, I think a lot of people would leave, but there was still a lot of fans sticking around, cheering on City SC despite that. Despite what happened at the end there. And to me, I think that shows once again why St. Louis sports fans are the best because they show up, they're loud and they're proud and you saw that during the match last night. Yeah, it was a it was a great atmosphere. Game, not so much. You know, no. you would hope that City would have come out with a little bit more a little bit more fire, but they got another opportunity in Kansas uh, in a couple of well, this weekend. So hopefully they can fix the things that need to be fixed, tie that series up and bring it back to St. Louis. My number two is well, my number one is our <laughs> playoff win over the Pattonville yeah. Pirates this weekend. Uh, great effort by our guys, young men did a great job, twenty-two to zero, just fighting our butts off. Anytime you can win in the playoffs is is a spectacular thing. So hopefully we can keep it going for this weekend. Love it! Congratulations! Thanks, Let's sir. keep it going, uh, guys. My number one, one of the, my favorite things in sports, and I like to do it as a sportscaster. I like to mentor young people and have them be better. And I love to see it in all sports. And on Saturday night, Matthews Denver Nuggets played the Oklahoma City Thunder. And his buddy, Nikola Jokic, goes against the youngster, Chet Holmgren. And Jokic has some advice for Chet Holmgren. He says, to be honest, he needs to get fatter. That is the best (laughs) advice (laughs) in the world. I love when somebody mentors somebody and says, get fatter. That's That's what athletes need. Was there more to that? Yeah, well, he said, I I think he needs to be a little bit fatter, to be honest. But yes, he has talent that is unique. So yeah, Matthew. Some context to that is in the the game, uh, Jokic elbowed um, him in the face. Mm -hmm. Is he from Angola? 
<laughs> Charles Barkley. <laughs> no. He elbowed him in the face and then was mad that there was a foul called. Like they were, they were like, no flagrant regular foul, and Jokic was still like, why is it a foul at all? And so mm-hmm. clearly he was he was he was teaching him a little bit because very the very next possession after the foul was called, he went down, bodied him under the hoop, and went in for an easy two. And it was like he was teaching him lessons the entire game. As Rod Beck, the former Red Sox and Giants and Cubs closer, once so famously said, and it was the most accurate statement in the history of sports, you can't pull fat. Yes. So very I, I loved seeing the mentorship on the part of Jokic for young players in the NBA. And oh, by the way, I, I would have used the Rams getting smoked and their quarterback messing up his thumb, but it was to the Cowboys. So it's, yeah, little, little situation for yeah, you, huh? Yeah. I just wish Jerry would have been, I I Jerry been <laughs> so excited that Hart would have started racing. Just that's that, and, that, that. and Randy. What? No, uh, no. Just wanted to, his I wanted to get, the, rush. get the blood flowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I feel yeah. like you're insinuating something. Maybe here, I Randy. am, Brooke. Maybe I am. <laughs> nah. We need, we scrub that. We can't have any proof of oh, this. No, I just want him to. I, I just want his heart to be going. That's oh, all. Okay. Because if it's not going, then you know. I want it to be going so well that it keeps going. Doesn't it? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Jara, yeah. come on. You like him? You're joking, right? Yes. <laughs> hey, you can watch us on the YouTube. Uh, just, That's uh, why I'm asking you to nod your head. YouTube and go to 101 ESPN STL. And uh, you can watch us on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. And by the way, uh, the interviews and the segments that we have will be on our podcast, and you'll be able to hear that podcast, of course, on our podcast network on 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN app. And that is brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. Next up, four downs from week eight in the NFL on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber says, St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber Showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. (laughs) 
Week 8 in the National Football League concludes tonight here on 101 ESPN with the Lions and Raiders playing 6.30 pregame. As you can hear, the uh, the vaunted Lions against Josh McDaniels, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, for yeah. how much longer are they Josh McDaniels, Las Vegas uh, Raiders? About eight more games or so. You think he's going to make it the entire season? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they want to spend the money to... Do it again. They're they're a mess, and they're they're messes at the top with Mark Davis. Yeah. But, uh, let's get things started with first down. So we were well. I don't know. You all saw the debacle that was the Jets Giants game. That was one of the worst games I think I've ever seen in football history. The Giants had an opportunity there in the fourth quarter to seal the game. Fourth and one, they decided to kick a field goal, which they miss. And then the Jets take it down with zero timeouts and able to get 50 yards, spike the ball, kick the field goal. Greg the leg. Greg the leg, and then go on and win the game. Brian Dable, and, and we were talking about it in the break, Tyrod Taylor injured again. He he might have some of the worst luck as a quarterback. Got a punctured lung before a game, which he was supposed to start in Los Angeles a few years mm-hmm. back. That was Justin Herbert's first game ever started. Doctors gave him the punctured the lung doctor, by giving yes, him a shot. Gave him a shot. I failed to mention that. <laughs> punctured lung by a needle prior to the game. Gets injured. Illinois' own Tommy DeVito comes in. Can't. No, no. We don't know. No, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. That might have been, I, I don't know. It's just not, not good enough. And no, no offense to that guy, right? It's just not good enough to get a win. Um, and that might have been the worst football game I've seen. You know, 24 total punts? Like, come on, man. You all are professional football players. Somebody should be able to complete a pass. The the It's just, I mean, I don't know. The... <laughs> New York Giants passed <laughs> for negative nine yards when you account for the sacks. I think one thing we can say about sports. <laughs> it just is, doesn't even seem real. Here, here you have the biggest market, right? Mm-hmm. Both NFL teams in New York suck. The Rangers suck. The The Islanders haven't won a cup in forever. Uh, baseball, the, the Yankees haven't been to a World Series since 2009. The, the Mets suck. I mean, you look at uh, the, the Knicks suck, the, the Nets fall on hard times. You know that sports isn't fixed because if they were, New they York would could be, win yeah, at some point. the Yankees? They get a nice thing at some point, right? It, it can't be. I mean, Zach Wilson led the team, the, the New York Jets in rushing with 25 yards. They got Brees Hall on their team. They, they also have Dalvin Cook, which I don't mm-hmm. know if they know he's on their team. He wants to be traded by tomorrow. He, 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 <laughs> he signed there, man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> wow. he, he signed with Aaron Rodgers there, though. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I didn't agree to this. That was, that was some tough football to watch. Yeah. Second down. Well, guys, you know, I really want to talk about the Panthers getting their first mm. win this season. Just kidding. The Tennessee <laughs> Titans are back, baby. We have ourselves a starting quarterback, Ooh, Will yes. Levis, a.k.a. Mr. Mayo Boy. Guys, things are exciting in Tennessee right now. I am thrilled because I wasn't expecting much from Will Levis. I was actually expecting zero. I had zero <laughs> expectations because the Titans have done nothing but disappoint me this season. And to say that Will Levis has injected some life into the Tennessee Titans would be an understatement. Picture this. Throwback Oilers jerseys. Love them. Love it. Yep. You have alumni in the building. Will Levis, 19 of 29. For 238 yards, four touchdowns, three of which went to DeAndre Hopkins. Did you guys know that he existed no. with the Tennessee Titans? Yeah. 
And two of those totaled 47 and 61 yards. Will Levis looked confident. I don't know if it's because he puts the mayo in his coffee before he goes out yeah. there in the game like he mm-hmm. supposedly did with Kentucky. But Sorry, I get it is just one game, but... Check out this stat, guys. Prior to Sunday, the Titans hadn't scored more than 27 points in a game since week 18 of 2021, but they dropped 28 with Will Levis, and they were able to beat the Falcons 28-23. to And this feels maybe possibly reminiscent of that Titans 2019 campaign. Do you guys remember that, where mm. they started off the year? It's okay. It's okay to forget <laughs> things about the Titans, Randy. <laughs> it's not the year they lost in the playoffs. It is, but hear me out, CD. They started out 2-4, and four, and then you had a quarterback change. Okay. Could this oh. be... To Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> From Mariota? Was uh, that... Yeah. Was, was it Mariota? Hmm... Yeah, I, I think can't it was. remember. It was. was it Mariota? Yeah, um, but yeah, because Mar- when Tannehill got hurt in the playoff game, Mariota had to play. Or was that Josh Dobbs? Or am I imagining no, that? That was last year. That was last year. year. Was I'm getting Josh my years Dobbs. mixed up. I mean, they have such a play, rich playoff. Yes, history. they do. <laughs> but either way, could this be the start of the new era for Will Levis? And if Ryan Tannehill supposedly is supposed to be ready next week, do you put Ryan Tannehill back He's out done. there? No. He's done. Ryan you Tannehill. You drafted two quarterbacks yeah. for a reason yeah, in Ryan, the last two years. Ryan Tannehill is a Viking next week. No. Yeah. Nice. I was saying that. That, well that that plays into the segment coming up here soon because I was going to say, if you're the Titans, do you try to move Ryan Tannehill to Minnesota? Yeah, I, I they, would. You yep. probably do. They need a quarterback. Third down. Okay, guys, I know what the odds say, and I know what the talking heads say, that the MVP of this league has to be Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts yeah, or Tua Tagovailoa. There's only one guy that can be the MVP of this league. Say the right name. A team that's 5-0 and with the guy and 0-3 without him. It's Debo Samuel. You talk oh. about value. If they're 5-0, and the 49ers are, with Debo Samuel. He gets hurt early in their sixth game. They lose that one, and then they lose the subsequent two. He'll come back after their bye. He'll be healthy, and they'll win the rest of their games. There's no doubt about who the most valuable player in the NFL is. It's Debo Samuel. Somehow I thought you were going to go with another receiver down in Miami who's the first to ever get to 1,000 yards after eight games. He's pretty good, but he's got, <laughs> he's got a counterpart. <laughs> he's yeah. pretty good. Well, Debo got a counterpart. Brandon Ayuk is not a slouch at all. No. He, that, that, that team does look different without Debo Samuel. I think he does so many things. It just changes the offense because you, now you're limited. Debo can line up in the backfield. You can run the ball with him. You're not going to run the ball with Brandon Ayuk. You're not going to br- run the ball with Jennings or any of those those other guys, mm-hmm. uh, McDonald, you, you just aren't. That's not their game. So you can put him in so many different places. You can put Christian McCaffrey out in the slot and just swap those two. They have the same roles, but it's a uh, it changes your offense and it changes your philosophy when you don't have him in the lineup. And they are suffering because of it. Now, defensively, he doesn't play defense, so mm-hmm. somehow, some way, they got to figure out how to get more stops. They gave up 31 points yesterday to the uh, Bengals. That's not that's not good enough. One of the things you have to do by the NFL is choose who you want to keep, and the Kansas City Chiefs are paying three players right now. They're paying Mahomes, Kelsey, and Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty hindsight, they probably should have paid Tyreek Hill. Yeah, probably. Mm, yeah, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's actually really good. Yeah. No, I don't know <laughs> yeah. where you sacrifice. 
because they're they're to the bone in terms of the rest of their players. Their other receivers aren't making money. Their running backs aren't making money. They're, they had to give their offensive line money, but they already lost Orlando Brown. Jones is the only player on defense that's really making money. So I don't know how you would have kept him, but 2020 hindsight, they probably should have. Can you restructure Travis Kelsey's contract and make some moves here at the trade deadline to just free up some money? I don't know if anybody's going to deal anybody to Kansas City, though. If you're an AFC yeah. team, why would you trade a receiver to KC? If you're a contending AFC team. Prior to yesterday, you might have been able to get DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Like, you may have been able to trade away, you know, some draft picks for DeAndre Hopkins, but I, I don't know. When that perform you had that performance that you have yesterday, you probably say, ah, we might be able to figure some things out here in the AFC South. Anything's possible. <laughs> anything is possible. Especially in the AFC South. Anything can happen. Yeah, anything can happen. You, you talk about the the Chiefs players not making a lot of money. The receivers, they're not making a lot of plays. No, either. they are. That's, no. that's, that's why I said the problem. And by the way, fourth down. Fourth down. Well, let's tell you what Tyreek Hill is doing. He had eight catches for 112 yards and a touchdown yesterday as they hammered New England 31-17. to The Patriots didn't have a chance. It was men against boys. Hill has 1,014 receiving yards. He's the first player in 62 years and the fourth player in NFL history with 1,000 receiving yards in his team's first eight games. He joins Charlie Hennigan, who did it in 1961. Hall of Famer is Crazy Legs Hirsch, who did it in 1951 for the L.A. Rams. And Don Hudson of the Packers, who had 1,032 yards in the first eight games in 1942. So the first guy in 62 years and the fourth overall, Tyreek Hill, to have 1,000 yards in his team's first eight games. Why is it, what, what, with the way that offense, what the hell were they doing in the 50s and 60s throwing that ball that much? <laughs> well, they were different. They were different. And people Everything say, was free-flowing yeah, back yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. The three or four people that are Live that saw Don Hudson play say that uh, he was as good as anybody. Wow, that's so. pretty good. I mean, he is on pace to get two thousand yards, and just the the way that they're playing football, the Dolphins minus those those couple of games that they lost, mm-hmm. they are they are a fun team to watch. Yeah, and in the Super Bowl era, Hill passes Odell Beckham Jr. for the most receiving yards in his first twenty five games. This is a really good one: two thousand seven hundred and twenty four yards in his first twenty five games with the team. That's pretty amazing. That's that first 25 wow. with Miami. He's doing really well. Those are four downs from the National Football League on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. All right, take it or leave it now on 101 ESPN. And I gave you guys this one last night via text so that you had time to ponder it. Last night, the Chargers improved to 3-4 and four with their 30-13 to 13 win over the 2-6 and six Bears on Sunday Night Football. Take it or leave it. Next year, Jim Harbaugh will be coaching one of the teams that participated in last night's Sunday Night Football game. Ooh. With everything I heating actually... up, I'm going to have to take it. Does he go to Chicago? He played there. He, he plays yeah. Bears football. He's a Ditka sense. guy. That might, you know what? 
I may have to take that. And, oh, by the way, skill set-wise, Justin Fields, Colin Kaepernick, yeah. who he took to a Super Bowl? Yep. It Pretty makes similar. sense. Hmm? I, I, I would take that. Going back home, is he, if he, as long as he doesn't wear his khaki pants and cleats, I'm okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, the cleats, yeah. you know, I, mm-hmm. I have an issue with... with but, I, but, Carrie, I think Bears fans will eat that up. Yeah, that's so weird. It is. <laughs> so weird. You, bro, you're not playing. You're done. <laughs> you're old. We're old. Yeah. Just watch. Just, yeah. just enjoy coaching. By the way, Jim Harbaugh, very underrated Immaculate Grid guy. He, he got around. Yeah, he mm-hmm. playing on a few teams, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's, uh, his name. Bears, Colts, Colts. Chargers, yeah. uh, Panthers. Here, uh, me, uh, I me, know Chargers. Yeah. yeah, here, let me give you that. One. Hold on here one second. Jim Harbaugh, I can type fast here. 88 words a minute back in the day. <laughs> uh, okay, Jim Harbaugh, as you know, started with the Colts. Took him to an AFC. Oh, no, oh. Bears. Baltimore. Bears, Colts, Ravens. Chargers, so he didn't go to the Panthers. It was the Ravens, rather. Than, but still yeah. good for Immaculate Grit. You know what? Yeah, I think you're, I'm going to take it, Randy, because all signs all right. point to that looking like it could happen. Mm-hmm. I like that. All signs. And he's he can't keep him at Michigan anymore. Yeah, probably not. So the Blues are up and down. They're struggling a little bit. We saw the the Athletic wrote that this would happen. We didn't believe it. Uh, and they also wrote that Craig Berube could be on the hot seat if they don't win games. Take it or leave it. He could actually be on the hot seat if this team continues to perform in this manner. I'm going to take it. I'm going to have to take it, too, sadly. Oh. And I do not like having to admit that the national athletic writers are right about how things have gone, but it's been pretty accurate so far. They said that they wouldn't be able to really gather any sort of win streak or even losing streak, and what has this been so far this season? It's been up and down. And then with everything that's going on with the Blues, you do have to look at the coaching. The power play is atrocious. I don't even know. And I know that that's more on his coaching staff, too. But still, it's the coaching staff he hired. So these mistakes that you're seeing still all goes back to Barubi. I still have an issue with the number of how you're being outshot in every single game. Mm -hmm. Minus the the game against the Flames. They actually outshot outshot the Flames in that game. But every game other than that, they have been outshot. And you said 15 to 2 in the first period? To start the game, yeah. Yeah. To start the game. That's absurd. It is. Hey, Bennington hey. bailed them out. That should have been like 5 nothing in that first period. On, but man. the fact that it was just one nothing, I think, it's all Bennington in that yeah. when it was early on. Yeah, figure something out. Take it or leave it, guys. I said this earlier, but I want to reiterate it because I want this Will Levis era to start in Tennessee, as I mentioned, that 2019 campaign when they you know, made that switch two and four under Marcus Mariota, and then you moved over to Tannehill. Well, Tannehill, it's time to move over. You're the Marcus Mariota in this situation. It's time <laughs> to go elsewhere. Take it or leave it. They should be. Your friend ran. Carrie should be calling Minnesota and making this trade happen. I'll take it. Ah, uh, yeah, Ryan Tannehill. You gotta, you, you got enough quarterbacks over there, and one of them, two of them, not gonna play. So, uh, yeah, give them, give them, give Minnesota, and probably get something in return. I don't know what you're gonna get. And how many? The the Vikings are going to be looking for a quarterback in the draft, right? Regardless because of Cousins was free agent yes, anyway. Yes. Regardless and is of Tannehill what, last year of his contract. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're going to be looking for a quarterback in the draft, but you need someone to finish this season. Now that's that's brutal for Kirk Cousins because he's had yeah. a really good career, stayed completely healthy mm-hmm. the entire time, hasn't dealt with anything like this. No no season ending injuries, made a lot of money in that time span, and probably was working towards another contract, another guaranteed contract, maybe with Minnesota, maybe somewhere else. But, you know, that, that Achilles injury is uh, it's a tough one to deal with. I felt so bad for him watching that play out. Yeah. It was it's fun. Tough. Yeah, one thing we did not hear, 
that? Aww. You like that? You like that? I didn't hear no, that. Not your, not your Achilles, buddy. Nope, damn. nope, 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 nope. That's a, damn. It's tough. Tough, huh? Um, Matthew, what do you got on the text line for us? Take it or leave it. Sonny Gray and Kyle Hendricks will be Cardinals. I'm going to leave it. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Really? See, I, I Why are you going to take it? I don't think that um, Kyle Hendricks, and I like Kyle Hendricks for what the Cardinals are, if I felt confident that their coaching could get him back to where he needs to be, but they're going for swing and miss guys, and Kyle Hendricks is nothing if not a swing and miss guy. Well, John Mosellick did say that they're going to have some guys that not exactly are going to be that way. It seems like they're going to kind of change their philosophy in some ways and maybe not in others. Uh, like you might how, get a little bit of everything. Like how I feel about the Blues. When they play well, I, I'll acknowledge it. And when they show consistency, I'll acknowledge it with uh-huh. the Cardinals. Uh-huh. When they show me what they're going to do in the po- in the in the off season, I'll I'll acknowledge it. Until then, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's like I, when I watch the Blues, I don't know what team is going to show up. <laughs> uh, last year, at the age of thirty three, Kyle Hendricks a career low six point one strikeouts per nine innings. Ooh. His career is seven point three per nine. Okay, so uh, but not, the, I'll, I'll take Sonny Gray. I'll, I'll take Sonny Gray because that's uh, it's going to get everybody fired up. It'll be the it'll be the Bryn Smith man. That's what we're <laughs> Bryn Smith, good lord, uh, better than Mike Leak, right? Uh, kind of. No, same. All right. <laughs> same. Same. <laughs> take it or leave it. If City SC is knocked out in the first round, you still consider this a very successful season? Ooh, Twelman was going in during the broadcast yes. last night. About did you yes. guys hear him? No. He was yeah. ripping in because uh, the guy. I'm not sure who was doing play by play. I I didn't get to see it. who was it last night. Rockio, do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. That who was, was, yeah, whoever sure it was, who was that was alongside it. Taylor Twelman. He brought that up. Like you, you still consider this a, se- a successful season? Season and Twelman was like, no. Like he just ripped into him for that. And because you did, I think the biggest point that he made that I do agree with is that you came in with not many expectations, people doubting you. They kind of used that as a chip on their shoulder at the beginning of the season, historic start, historic season. And you need to carry that momentum into the postseason. It felt like that wasn't matched. Can two things be true that you can have a successful season that ends in disappointment? Yes. Yes, but I think what he was saying is the way, like if it ends the way, in yes. the manner in which that game looked last night, mm-hmm. just not, just didn't look great. Just not getting after it and really getting getting the game taken to them early on, uh, especially when you've seen City play so much better this entire season. I think that's the part that he's saying, like that would be disappointing to end your season. You know, you lost 4-1 to last night. If you lose in that manner again in Kansas, that, that's, that could be... You know, troubling. I would hate to have the personality trait in me that didn't enjoy this because the only thing that mattered was winning a championship. Mm-hmm. Because I think for a, an expansion team to do what St. Louis City S did was historic and en- enjoyable for me. I'm not going to go so far as to say it wasn't successful just because they didn't win a championship. Oh, of course I, not. I really enjoy yeah. it. it. I don't think you they have are to, successful. Yeah. I don't yeah. think you have to win a championship, but I think what he's saying is to get smoked out of the playoffs when you're the one seed and they're mm-hmm. the eighth seed, mm-hmm. I think that is troubling. I think that's the part where he's saying, yeah, you all had a great regular season, but what the hell happened? And and he's saying that if they go to Kansas and lose in the manner in which they did yesterday. Yeah, that would be disappointing. Yeah, yeah. it just didn't look like what we even saw from no. them during the regular season when they were doing really well and successful. Take it or leave it, your NFC West champion, Seattle Seahawks. Take it. <laughs> oh, Oh. <laughs> are they in first place now? I think they are. Oh. I think they did jump by. Uh... Uh, 
Let me double check. Uh, um, gotta, they're pretty good. I gotta think about they them. They coach. are in first place. They are. They have one loss in the division. Yep. Ooh, I'm gonna leave it. Five and two, so they have a. Boy, the, the 49ers are five and three. At I'm Baltimore coming up, mm. that's their next game. That is, uh, uh, let's see, that's an, a noon game on the fifth. So that's next Sunday. Then they have Washington. They're at the Rams. They've got San Francisco at home. That'll be a big one. Then they still, this stretch, San Francisco at home, at Dallas, at San Francisco, Philadelphia at home, at Tennessee, Pittsburgh at home, before you wrap up at Arizona. So that's a real gauntlet of one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row that are going to be a handful. Yeah. I'm going to leave it. San Francisco better get Debo back. MVP, MVP, MVP. Uh, Take it or leave it. This Blues roster just isn't that good. Ooh. Um, It's hard to say that because I think that there is talent there with that mm -hmm. young core, but it just doesn't look good whatsoever. It feels like they're missing. uh, It feels like they are missing some skill. Yes, it doesn't work well together. It's kind of like a a fantasy team. Yeah. Right? Because, like, under normal circumstances, you have Krug or Perunovic on your roster. You don't have both. Mm-hmm. You've got, uh, especially if you have Craig Berube, you've got a, a big, dominant defensive center and uh, th- that's a, a legitimate top six guy. They just don't have that. at the, you're Ryan O'Reilly in his prime. You, mm-hmm. you don't have that right now. Uh, ordinarily, you'd like to have one of your scoring wingers play both ends of the ice, like uh, Jaden Schwartz did, or like uh, Alexander Steen did when when he was at his best. Uh, it, it seems like there's just a lot of things that are missing right now. And uh, Carrie, we talked about it last week, and it, it's not that Robert Thomas is a bad player; he's a really good player. But if he were going to be a Hall of Famer, we'd know by now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that yes, you would. And you know, I think I said it the other day. You got to have some guys that are superstars, mm-hmm. guys that again have those blinders on. That just go forward, don't worry about anything, shoot the puck when it comes to them, and and they are your goal scorers, they are your playmakers, they are the guys that create things offensively or defensively. You can be a superstar on the defensive end. Defensive end. It's just there aren't. I haven't seen any superstars on this team, and no. you you probably aren't going to win many games or win many championships without you know two or three of those guys. And it just and I don't know about the flexibility. Of chief, but I do know that they had a massive defense when they won the cup, mm-hmm. and they don't. Uh, Pareko is is still here, but you had Pareko, you had Bo, you had Petro, you had Edmondson. Yes, even Carl Gunnarsson was, you know, a, a rugged performer, and you didn't have anybody as little, little, <laughs> uh, as small as Prunovic or. Krug on their team, and it, it it might just be a matter of the quality of those players, or it could be a matter of the current players on the roster not really meshing with what the coach desires. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then that's that's a front office issue. Yep, it is. If you have coaches and players not meshing, if you don't have, I mean, it, it's easier when you are in college and and in the professional ranks because you can draft or recruit the guys to fit the the scheme that you want to play in. And so if you don't have guys that are doing, that are able to fit in the scheme or a coach that is not able to fit the scheme to the players, then that's problematic. That is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Coming up with our fresh take, when do the Blues have to take a look at a system change? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Well, in the first period, uh, we didn't have the puck, so it's pretty tough to score. Uh, they had the puck the whole period. You know, we had some looks second and third, but, um, you know, we're, we're not, um, it's not going in easily for us right now. So, if the, you know, that's the case. Sometimes you go through these spans and are these spurts and, and things like that. But, you know, we've got to play better defense. You know, we've got to play better defense. Took too many penalties and we, we didn't manage the puck good enough and we didn't defend good enough. So we've got to win close games and you've got to do those things to win close games. That is Blues head coach Craig Berube on the heels of the Blues 5-0 loss Friday night in Vancouver. And as he said at the top, they just didn't have the puck. And it doesn't matter what style of play you employ, you have to be able to possess the puck, to shoot it, and to score goals. And I don't know how you get players to possess the puck better. It seems like either you do or you don't in a situation like that. And the Blues have people that have done it in the past. That's a troubling thing, is that the people that have done it in the past have to do a better job of hanging on to the puck. And that includes people like Shen, people like Robert Thomas up front. Uh, we, we've seen it before with Buchnevich. He can hang on to the puck. The Blues just have to do a better job of maintaining puck possession. Yeah, they do. And I just don't understand it. How do you guys think that you go from offensively and just a better game overall to just absolutely laying an egg 24 hours later? I don't think that it has anything to do with short rest. I think that's where it comes into question. I think it is fair for people to question. Is there a lack of talent there? Is there a piece missing? That's what it feels like, right? It feels like there's a piece missing with this forward group talent-wise. You had Ryan O'Reilly, and I know that even last season it wasn't exactly the Ryan O'Reilly that we saw during that 2019 run, but it feels like this season you're missing a guy like a Ryan O'Reilly or even a Vladimir Tarasenko or even a David Perron. We know how good David Perron was with the Blues power play and the Blues power play this season is abysmal so it feels like you just kind of went copy and paste from last season I just don't know how you go against the Flames where you had one of your best games and you go and do well offensively to just nothing the next game like that with the same guys. For me Kevin Hayes hasn't been as advertised yet I expected him to be more of a difference maker than he's been so far. And I think that I've seen him play better. I think that he can still play better. But he's a guy that has to make his wingers better, too. And he didn't early in the season when he had Kappen and and Verona. I believe he'll be back with Verona now. So he's one guy because of their need for their big guys, big physical guys, not their their best players, but their big physical guys to play their that game, the big game, a heavy game. He needs to, in my opinion, do more of that. You talked about taking care of the puck, holding on to the puck. Winning faceoffs helps with that. They're mm-hmm. bottom fourth in the league in, in faceoffs one. Um, taking care of the puck, puck management. I hear Jamie talk about it all the time on the broadcast, making sure that guys are – it's tape to tape. They're doing a good job of great passes and and, and just doing a, doing a better job of taking care of it. Turning the puck over and, and you know – Creating odd man rushes also is a is a is a bad thing. They haven't given up a lot of those, but they aren't they aren't controlling 
the 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 puck enough, and they aren't keeping control of it enough in their own in the offensive zone, which is part of the reason why they aren't getting shots on goal, which is part of the reason that they're always in the D zone. And the style of defense that they're playing now is is you know allowed for all of those shots, but. They're just not – they're not – they don't feel aggressive enough. And it's it's one game they are, then the next game they aren't. And I don't know – that part for me is a troubling sign of things when you aren't playing the, the, the same game every single night. And we talk about aggressiveness and simply shooting the puck. And we haven't played. We don't know. But it seems pretty obvious that if you shoot the puck, you have a better chance to score. The other night, Vancouver – had 70 attempts. They had 35 actual shots. They had uh, 20 uh, shots that uh, were not on net, and then uh, 15 more uh, missed shots. Okay, so you you had uh, 20 attempts that were blocked and 15 shots that were missed. A total of 70. The Blues had 22 actual shots on goal, uh, four that were blocked, and then nine missed shots. 70 to 35 was the attempted shots total in favor of Vancouver. You've just got even, I know they, they didn't have the puck, but when you do have the puck, you've, even if it's from the blue line, you got to take a shot and see what happens. You have to. I, I don't know what to make of this right now. And I know that we have talked a lot about the defensive change that we've seen this, this season. And I do think that that's affecting things offensively. Do you guys feel that way? Yeah. I wonder, I mean, I I don't know if it's solely on the defense because that's something that they needed to correct. The defense last year was not great. They didn't, and you have you understand that there's going to be more time in the D zone because of the style. It's, it's, they've accepted it. For me, it's the opposite end. It's not getting the shots on goal. It's not, you know, taking care of the puck. You talked about Kevin Hayes not being as advertised to this point. Do you think that there's a point where maybe you move the line and 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 people around him, mm-hmm. maybe the players around him, because he's leading the team in faceoff wins. He's he's the guy that is getting the puck the most. Maybe he needs to be on the line with guys that actually are going to shoot the puck better or be more aggressive when he does win those faceoffs. Maybe you put him with a Buchnevich or a Jordan Cairo and and allow him to be what he is and what he does best. You have to figure something out on the offensive side because defensively, you already know you're going to give up these shots. You're gonna you're gonna block a lot of shots, but offensively, what are you doing to allow yourself opportunities to score? Because it's not it's not happening at this moment. Right now, the Blues they are 31st in shots per game, 34 uh, 31st in shots per game. How many teams at 24.7%. Guess what? Um, San Jose is the only team no. that's so it's 32 them. teams. And San Jose is bad this year. I don't know if you guys point. know that. Yes. <laughs> you point, I, I don't I don't know if you know if you guys know that or not, but uh yeah, they're they're really bad this year. I think that that's concerning. And then when you are continuing to do this bad when it comes to the power play efficiency, that's concerning too. And so you're talking about changes possibly. So at practice Sunday, Ruby did move some things around. What do you guys think about this? On the top line, Buchnevich, Thomas, Kasperi, Kapanen. Mm-hmm. I'm good Interesting. With that. Saad, Shin, Kairu. Interesting. So you're splitting up Thomas and Kairu there. Vrana, Hayes, Neighbors. And then Blay, Alexandrov, Sunquist. Those were the practice lines that we saw on Sunday. Verona Hayes and Neighbors is intriguing. I like the passing of Neighbors with the uh, shooting ability of Verona. Um, I don't. So you've got Thomas. So you split Ka- up. Who are, who are Tom, who's Thomas with now? Thomas is Kapanen. now with Buchnevich and Kapanen. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm good with capping and going into the corner and working. And I'm good with uh, Thomas setting up Butchnevich. And Thomas needs to shoot more. He knows that. but Because Butchnevich can be a playmaker, too. I kind of like that line. I'm intrigued. But I'm going to tell Kapanen, go to the net. Go to the net and just stand in the blue paint. Go just to the net, Stand there. Yep. <laughs> be in front. <laughs> yep. Good things happen when you stand in front of the, the It goal. makes a difference. It yep. does. We have uh, Blues hockey tomorrow night here on, or not Wednesday night, on November 1th. Uh, Blues at Avalanche. <laughs> November what? New, November 1th. <laughs> So one year, November one. One year, Boomer Esiason did Monday Night Football, and it was actually the year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, nineteen ninety nine. And I think it was Dallas they were playing. And he says, Al, Al Michaels, he was doing the game with. He said, Al, that's why they're thirty one in defense in the league. So I, I got it from Boomer. Gosh, yeah. uh, 31. I love that. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> With the Blues at the Avalanche, Wednesday night, pregame at 7.30, action at 8.30 here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, City came in on an off foot with an odd lineup, and they never played their game. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yeah, it was... Um... I would say collective, not good enough. Um, this time today, um, we had we had a lot of problems and uh, just like unusual, no pressure on the ball. You know, let the guys shoot, don't block, the, no no blocking the shot. Blum, only as far as Kinda, the kick save from Berkey Voltaire, and in the lead again. Serving Polito, flicking shallowy, and in, and it's four. Oops punch teams like this in the face a few times and, and now we know what it feels like. So, you know, I think part of being a being a champion is also knowing how to lose. So, I mean, yeah, tonight uh, we get knocked in the face and, and uh, we couldn't really respond in the moment so we didn't get rewarded for the moments that we... You heard from Roman Berkey, the goalkeeper for St. Louis City SC and that was Bradley Carnell, the head coach on the heels of a 4-1 loss last night in Game 1 of the playoffs against the Sporting Kansas City side. And the two teams will go across the state next week and play in Kansas for Game 2 of the series. Berkey had uh, an interesting take about the preparation heading into this game. A lot of time off for St. Louis City SC before playing in this playoff game. Just then, I what I can tell when they use us, you know, in the training, in the games and stuff. Um, sometimes it was just a little bit like, you know, I was young too, uh, or and then sometimes you think, yeah, okay, today I don't feel really good, but it doesn't matter because the game is on Sunday, so we still have time. And then it's just like then after the game, like after a game like this, you ask yourself, yeah, oh, what's the reason? And um, Sometimes that happens, you know, that happened uh, last week in the preparation of this game. And um, but I'm sure that the guys now will understand, you know, how you train. That's how you're going to play. And um, the game is just it's just uh, the reward for the work you put in um, during the during the the week, you know, to prepare yourself. And um, it's it's difficult to change something on game day or uh, during the game how you're going to feel um, or how you're going you're gonna to perform based on um, how you did in training. That's Roman Berkey, the goalkeeper for St. Louis City SC. Does it make a difference, do you guys think, that it really has been nearly a month since they played a meaningful game or had, obviously practice leading up to this was meaningful, but I can see how you could get into 
a, a take it easy approach because it's been so long since you've had to get up really up for a game. That's exactly what it sounds like he's saying, is that he did not like the training level, and he didn't like the energy maybe that he was seeing during these training sessions, especially from the younger guys, and that's what it looked like, right? When you're talking about when Carnell said that you, it felt like you know they got punched in the face, which they did, they did get punched in the face, that's what exactly what it looked like. I mean, Sporting KC looks so much more aggressive in this game. They look so much more prepared. And I was very surprised that Carnell did not make some adjustments, especially in the second half after what you saw in the first half, which was nothing good there. I still think everything goes back to not having two forwards up top. I still think was a big mistake. I think that you should have had Sam, Sam Dinneran, or Gio with Klaus because when you saw in the second half, finally, when Sam Dinneran came in there, I felt like Klaus already looked better. It's the rest versus rust conversation that we have. We talked about it with the Major League mm-hmm. Baseball playoffs, having time off, not competing in those games mm-hmm. that matter. Um, your city has had some time. They they won the division the last game against Seattle, right? With mm-hmm. they, they didn't have anything that they were necessarily playing for. It's hard to recreate that environment in practice. It, it's... Practice is, is great. It, it's great to to prepare you for the game, but the intensity level at times will never be the intensity level of, a, of an actual game. So, yeah, they, they may have been a little bit lackluster in, in terms of how they were revving up for this game because you can't recreate that. And once you get out there and, and have to actually play the game, I mean, Sporting KC had to play to get to this game, right? So they're obviously a little bit more um, – polished right now than, than maybe what, what City is. And with City, there is a clear pathway to victory. It's setting the tempo, it's being aggressive, it's making the other team play your game. And Berkey was asked if he's worried about City losing a little bit of their identity. Um, no, I'm not worried. I'm just like, you know, everyone is obviously uh, after this long season a little bit tired, you know. Um, I feel it too, to be honest, so um, we just need... Um, now a good week, you know, a good week, a uh, week with uh, a lot of intensity in the in the training sessions and just focus. And um, I'll definitely make sure that the, the players um, understand that. And I hope the coaches will do that, too. The two key words he used there were intensity and focus. And that's it. They were lacking it. Yep. They were lacking Have that those in practice night. this week, right? Yeah. And we already got some texts in, too, and I saw this, Rock, that you were replying to this, about some people confused about AZ Jackson. And I think that the point being is that it would more be Stroud, right, Rock, that would be taken out necessarily rather than if you wanted to put in a Sam Adinaran and or Geo, it wouldn't be AZ Jackson that would be taken out. I, I personally don't think so. I mean, I, Jared Stroud is a solid player, but he's you know they never play him ninety minutes. You know, whenever whenever they do start him, they pull him. You know, he's the fifty-seven minute sub or the seventy minute mm-hmm. sub. So I'm a little confused why he gets the start over AZ because I I really think AZ opened this team up and changed how they played because of, of what he can do for the press from the ten. The texter is you know uh, from the three one four is making a point that he is the number ten and he doesn't create anything offensively. I think the the if you want to criticize where the lack of offensive playmaking was from coming last night, I think the criticism falls on Edu Leuven, who isn't playing the 10, but he still is your number 10. He's playing it back a little bit more, but he likes it. I asked him earlier this season, do you like playing back or do you, would you wish you were playing a classic number 10? And he 
said it. I like playing back because I can go to the defense, get the ball, and then when I turn around, I have the entire field in front of me to dictate what happens. That game last night was built for him to dictate the 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 pace and everything, and he did not do it after about the 20th minute. As soon as they went down 2-1, Leuven disappeared as a playmaker. I think that was the bigger issue than AZ Jackson. And Tim Parker did score the one goal for St. Louis City SC. But it was the other end of the pitch that St. Louis City had problems. Why was it? Yeah, kind of like I said, I think um, just not winning the first and second balls. And then that kind of puts us in a little bit of a weird spot. Um, Positionally, when they're able to switch the field and then, you know, we're recovering backwards and trying to reset our press um, in a different way. So I think uh, winning those first and second balls, being aggressive to start off with definitely will put us in a better position. And next weekend, St. Louis City SC will have a full week of prep Full week of training to get ready for game two, and they got to win one on the road. Yeah, you, you got to win. Well, you're going to have to, well, you got to win one on the road mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you didn't have to. You could have won last night and then lost and then came back home and won. But it, it I'm hopefully the, the effort, the energy, hopefully they understand. One thing about, you know, being a, a new team, a young team in terms of not having that playoff uh, experience, they got it last night. They realized mm-hmm. that in every single sport, when you get to the playoffs, it is a different animal from the regular season. You're, and, and people can tell you, oh, as you play this. No, your intensity has to ratchet up a, a couple of notches, if, not just one, a couple, because the team you're playing understands that, yeah, this is the playoffs. It's win or go home. If you don't take care of your business, you, be, you will be watching the rest of the playoffs. So I think City got a taste of that last night. They got kicked in the face. They realized early on, oh, this is real. Despite the, the KC being the AC team, we have to come out here and control the game from start to finish. And hopefully when they get to Kansas, they can do that. Yeah, and they were lacking all that energy, and it's going to be up to City SC on how they respond and how Carnell responds to, to all of these things because adjustments have to be made. And it is hard to really recreate that energy and that momentum in training, mm-hmm. and that could be partly to blame, but I think there's some other things to point to, too. It just was not the team that we saw had so much historical success this season. And Sporting KC, I mean, they have played more recently. I think that right. does factor in, especially the way that they were able to win against San Jose and penalties in the wildcard round. I think that that also played into this because they definitely had more of the energy and they looked like they had played more recently. Next weekend, the game will the the match will be played at four at uh, sporting at KC mm-hmm. four o'clock and hopefully uh, we'll get a better opportunity to see it. Ninety nine percent of what MLS does is good. I I don't have any problem with them up being on Apple TV. They have a young demographic, a young tech savvy group of people that watch their games. But having a Sunday night game start at nine twenty five is a big miss, a big big whiff yes. by MLS for two teams that are in the Central Time Zone. That didn't make any sense at all. I'd love to hear an explanation of why they scheduled that game for that time. I have makes no, no sense. idea. I. I have no idea why it was that late last night. Yeah, on, on a Sunday <laughs> it was just night. crazy. I mean, if you do it on yeah. Saturday night, you can maybe get an excuse, Matthew. And if you're going to make it 9 p.m., make it 9 p.m., not 9:30. I yeah. know it's not a big thing, but you're you're only going to play for two. You're only going to play for an hour and a half. So I mean, 30 minutes mm-hmm. is literally you're not you know you're knocking out of you know you're playing a third of the whole game later. I just it makes no sense why with that late all of a sudden you know two days ahead of time you're already saying by the way kickoff's 9:25. Yeah. It, it what are we doing make, here? Doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And here's, let's just answer it this way: Would the NFL ever start a game at nine thirty? 
Mm, they will do no, like an 8.30 a.m. game. No, they would never start a game no. at 9.30, though. No. Get eyes, eyeballs on as, the screen. As much as we don't like the business because of what they did to us, the NFL is the gold standard for presenting their game correctly. Yes. And I they would they were. I mean, they were competing. They should have played that game at seven. Nobody was give, gave a damn about the Chargers no. and the Bears. No, and you know what? You're, you're, <laughs> no. The, the, the person that is going to watch the the soccer game, they're not going to watch both. No. You're going to you're going to It's totally choose. different fan base. Right. It really is. So. MLS be better in that regard. Coming up, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. Matthew, do we have a fighter? No, we don't. We need a fighter. So all you need to do is text in 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Text in the word fight and your name, and maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next. No, you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Michael. Michael, how you doing? Hey, doing pretty well, but a little tired after that MLS game last night. Aww. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little late one. It's, it happens. Hopefully mm-hmm. we uh, can figure some things out and get it get it right for the next game. Did you go to the game? No, I didn't go to the game, but uh, stayed up and watched it and was very disappointed. Yeah. yeah. I think you're like most of us today. Yeah. Eh, we'll get it better. We'll be better yeah. next game. Are you ready to take Absolutely. on you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Let's do it. All right, here we go. In game two of the World Series this weekend, which Diamondback set an MLB record when he extended his postseason hitting streak to 18 games? Is it Tommy Pham, Cattell Marte, or Cor- Corbin Carroll? Cattell Marte. Which position has won the lion's share of the 69 World Series MVPs with over 20 wins for the spot? Is it starting pitcher, first base, or outfielder? Um, starting pitcher. Patrick Mahomes' 16-game division road win streak came to an end last night, which means the record of 20 remains safe. Which Hall of Fame NFC West quarterback holds that record? Is it Kurt Warner, Steve Young, or Joe Montana? Joe Montana. Happy birthday to former Mizzou coach Quinn Snyder. Snyder's first coaching job was actually in the NBA with which California-based franchise? Is it the LA Clippers, Sacramento Kings, or Golden State Warriors? Sacramento Kings. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Michael, how you feel? I'm all right. I'm okay. all right. Okay, that's that's better than City, obviously. <laughs> better than yeah. all right. Yeah, better than City. Better than the Blues, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, it's rough weekends, man. It's just a rough, rough weekend. Randy, well, he could be Flames Blues, or he could be Canucks Blues. Ah, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> well, the, really good blues, point, the Canucks Blues was on Friday. The the Flames Blues was on Thursday. So does that really count as a weekend? No. Okay, yeah. 
Randy, say hello to hello. Michael. Hey, Michael, how are you? <laughs> Randy, doing pretty well. Good. Good to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. Avid listener, as always. Thank you. You ready? Ready. All right, here we go. Okay. In Game 2 of the World Series this weekend, which Diamondback set an MLB record when he extended his postseason hitting streak to 18 games? I believe that would be Cattell Marte. Which position has won the lion's share of the 69 World Series MVPs with over 20 wins for the spot? I would think that that uh, would be uh, a pitcher. I would, uh, you know, Gibson had his, Levon Hernandez had his. Uh, we've seen uh, so many pitchers. I, th- I think I would go, and there's just more. So I, I would go pitcher. All right, Patrick Mahomes' 16-game division road win streak came to an end last night, which means the record, which means the record of 20 remains safe. Which Hall of Fame NFC West quarterback holds that record? 16 straight road wins within the division, huh? Mm-hmm. The record's 20. The record is 20, which remains safe. Okay. Um, let me think about this. So, uh, 99, so it would not be Kurt, because Kurt lost in 2000 in Philadelphia, and then played 2001, obviously, went 8-0 on the road, but he never got to 20. So that would leave one of the 49er guys, right? Uh, And I am going to say, because of how bad the division was, when Steve Young was there, it was the Rams, who lost to them 17 times in a row. Panthers, Falcons, Saints, Aints. I'm going to go with Steve Young. Because the Rams always had a tendency to beat the Niners when Montana was playing, but not as much when Young was playing. So I'm going to go with Steve Young. I can't think of another... NFC West Hall of Fame quarterback. None with the Cardinals. None with the Seahawks. So I think I probably got all three there. Unless now John Brody's not in the Hall of Fame either. Okay, I'm going to go with Steve Young. Final answer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Happy birthday to former Mizzou coach Quinn Snyder. Snyder's first coaching job was actually in the NBA with which California-based franchise? I think he was a Clipper. He was an, uh, an L.A. Clipper, I believe. Considering how this fight was going, I'm very shocked to say this. We have a tie. Hmm. This is the first tie in like two or three weeks. This has been, an, I mean, it's been just been one, you know, one question wins for the last like two straight weeks. We finally get to use one of our tiebreakers. So let's go through the rules here because we haven't done it in a while. I'm going to read out the question. We're then going to give Randy a moment to write down his answer. Then we will ask Michael for his answer audibly. Then after that, Randy will confirm his answer both uh, audibly and because of these wonderful cameras from the Air Alliance team. He can show you right there on the camera as well if you're watching YouTube. And then we will have whoever's closest to the pin is the winner of today's fight. Michael, do you understand those rules? Uh, Yeah, sounds good to me. Randy, do you have paper? I do. Do you have pen? I have pen. Do you understand the rules? I understand the rules. When we're ready for a tiebreaker, <laughs> folks. All right. The Cardinals have played in 52 total postseason series in their career. That's always from the... 
uh, straight to the World Series, uh, and we're counting also any one-game wild cards as a, as a full series. So they have played in 52 postseason series in their career. How many have they won? The Cardinals have played in 52 postseason series. How many have they won? Just a moment, okay. Michael Randy Carricker is writing down his answer. I am writing down my answer. I didn't hear I, he, uh, no permanent marker. No, there it is. I hear the I hear the permanent no, marker it's, on paper. It's, it's so good. just a distinctive um, sound. Hold on. Oh, okay. When you hear permanent marker on paper, you can uh, hear it from a mile away. They played in fifty-two. So. Okay, Carrie, um, I swear to God. <laughs> A mile, you, you say. Like, I will throw this pen at you. <laughs> I mean, you're the one that said it, Rock. <laughs> Swear to God. Okay. Okay, and Randy has... What math did you do? Okay. His guest there. <laughs> Michael, do you, you have a long guess, division over there? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, 33. Randy Carricker, please hold up and tell what your guess is. My guess was 32. We have a winner in today's fight here. I don't have to get out of the calculator to Good, do this one. We you. have a winner in today's fight. <laughs> was Michael able here to come in on a Monday? Michael short on sleep, but the city of St. Louis is a little short on sleep right now. But he's able to force Randy to a tiebreaker. Does he get the win? Or does Mega Mind start the week out with his own victory? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Oh, oh, hold on. Here you just win, baby. Oh, I wasn't prepared. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Michael. Randy Carricker was, well, just one closer to you. They have won 31 of their 52 playoff series. 31 and 21 is the Cardinals' playoff series record. So Randy Carricker just got you by one. That was an incredible fight, Michael. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. Anytime you can bring uh, the king to the, the tiebreaker, that's a win in my book. It was a very, very go. well done. And Randy, flames blues, Randy, getting that, four, getting that fourth <laughs> one was crazy. In game two of the World Series this weekend, it was, in fact, Cattell Marte who set a new MLB record when he extended his postseason hitting streak to 18 games. The position that has won the lion's share of the 69 World Series MVPs at about 26 of them starting pitchers. Pat Mahomes' 16-game division road win streak came to an end last night against the Broncos, shockingly, which means that the record record of 20 remains safe. It was, in fact, Joe Montana who actually did that in the NFC West. And happy birthday to former Missouri coach Quinn Snyder. Snyder's first coaching job was actually in the NBA with the Los Angeles Clippers. Randy Carricker pulled the Quinn Snyder factoid out of nowhere to extend that one. Sends us to the tiebreaker. And again, the Cardinals 31-21 and 21 in their 52 playoff series. Michael, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Well, I'll be back one day. All right. Thanks, Michael. Michael. Appreciate it. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, which NFL heavyweight is the most vulnerable as we go into the second half of the season? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Fourth and 22. Mahomes getting away from Benito and then just heaving it downfield and it's intercepted. Picked off by Justin Simmons. Fifth time he's gotten Mahomes in his career. We didn't hit our shots when they were there and then and then when they were there we didn't execute it there. So uh, it was just a bad day for us. Um, all I got said, all props to them, man. They played their tail off and they deserve to win today. That is Patrick Mahomes who played his flu game. He didn't win like Michael Jordan did his. <laughs> 
flu game, but they just didn't win today. The Chiefs are still sitting atop the AFC at 6-2. and two. However, they are now joined by Miami, Jacksonville, and Baltimore, all 6-2. and two. The Bills are 5-3. and three. The Steelers are 4-3. and three. And don't sleep on the Cincinnati Bengals, who are 4-3 and three as well and have won their last three games now that their quarterback, Joe Burrow, has gotten healthy. In the NFC... The Eagles lead the pack at seven and one. Seattle leading the NFC West now at five and two. Detroit is five and two. How about them Cowboys? They're five and two. The Niners have lost three in a row to fall to five and three. And then I think you can look at the uh, pretty much of the uh, the rest of the NFC and say, no, it ain't going to happen for them. There's really five teams that have a chance in the NFC. So of all of those heavyweights that I just named, guys, who do you think is the team that you watch them play? And you see their results, and you think, oh, they've got problems in the second half of the season. What's interesting to me right now is what's happening with the 49ers because of how they have just really kind of fallen apart. And especially when you look at Brock Purdy, I mean, the first five games this season, he had nine touchdowns, zero interceptions. Last three games, three touchdowns, five interceptions. And with the turnover battle that you're seeing with the 49ers right now, it's just kind of perplexing. I know that you have the injury issues, but I feel like we're really seeing Brock Purdy exposed for not being an elite franchise quarterback. For me, it's the team that lost to the Broncos last night. Yesterday, it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs. And the reason being, I understand the two games they lost were against the the, uh, Lions week one. Kelsey was out. Chris Jones was out. Yesterday, you could say Patrick Mahomes was was not healthy or, or was dealing with an ailment. But when you're looking at this team, offensively, the one thing that they've had year after year is Patrick Mahomes has been able to find guys Mm -hmm. to make things happen. Last year we were concerned Tyreek Hill is gone. Who's going to step up and make plays? If a team decides to try to shut down Travis Kelsey, which come playoff time, teams will cater their game plan specifically around Travis Kelsey, whether it's bracketing him, making sure they have multiple eyes on him, knowing where he's going. Someone else is going to have to make a play. If you can tell me who that someone else is for this team right now, I would say okay. But it's been too inconsistent. Rasheed Rice, a rookie, he's going to have his ups and downs that that most rookies do. Sky Moore, a second-year player, has not come along Mm -hmm. yet, and it's still not good enough. Kadarius Toney, the person that they say is is the the most dynamic and electric player, hasn't done. They went went back to go get Mikael uh, Mikael Harmon Mm -hmm. to try Mm -hmm. to alleviate some of these issues that they're having on the outside. McCall Harmon, excuse me, Mm -hmm. that they're trying to alleviate on the on this out on the outside and it still isn't coming along just yet so for me it's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs because come playoff time the one person that will not beat me if I'm an opposing coach is Travis Kelsey give it to anybody else see if they can beat us and if they can be consistent enough to do it Sky Moore that felt like that was a huge opportunity for him this mm-hmm. past weekend and he just literally dropped the ball yeah. in that opportunity yeah. and you it felt like you could see too that Mahomes was not that trusting of his receivers so if you don't even have that trust built up then you can see where it results in what happened this past weekend with the Chiefs and he doesn't have that many weapons around him other than Travis Kelsey and you talk about Tony, I was expecting for him to at least try to recover after what we saw in week one from him, but it just seems like he hasn't been able to do that. And I know that Mahomes says he trusts them, but it doesn't seem like he trusts his receivers right now. And why would you when they're not making the most of those opportunities? Here's a team that has to be the best in the league because their remaining schedule, Seattle at home, then home against Cleveland, who has still the best defense in the league. 
Then you've got Cincinnati at home. Then you go to the Chargers, and we saw what they did last night. Then you've got the Rams at home. Then you go to Jacksonville. They've won five in a row. Then you go to San Francisco. San Francisco, I still believe in them, especially defensively. Then Miami and Pittsburgh. The Baltimore Ravens are really vulnerable because of their schedule. The Baltimore Ravens, to me, have the two losses on their schedule should not be on their schedule. Nope. They, they lost mm-hmm. to the Indianapolis Colts in a field goal game by by the kicker for Indianapolis. Matt Gay, Matt Gay, Matt Gay, it was ridiculous, and it was it was terrible. They lost to the Steelers, in which they they caught they dropped. I want to say eight to ten <laughs> passes. <laughs> And and the amount of yards and touchdowns that would have come along with them just catching the football, that changes the trajectory of that game. I actually like Baltimore a lot. I know they have a, a tougher schedule, but it's going to be interesting to see who actually wins that division because the, the Cincinnati Bengals team that they beat earlier in the year by three points mm-hmm. is not going to be the Cincinnati Bengals team that they see here down the line. So they have to keep performing well. Offensively, they played lights out two weeks ago against the Lions. Yesterday... It was workmanlike against the, the, the Arizona Cardinals, which you shouldn't be workmanlike against the Arizona Cardinals. They're not no. a good football team. But this is a team that's going to be intriguing to watch going down the stretch. Uh, that was a game where they just went out to the desert and had a good time on Saturday night. Uh, it's something. <laughs> yeah. Something happened. Is that what it yeah. was? <laughs> it's what you do. It's, you know, a lot of times coaches and general managers like to say we're going on a business trip for this one. Let's just go out and have some fun, play a game at 1 o'clock, and then come home. We got to give credit to the Cardinals, too, though. They are a 1-7 football team that has been in pretty much every game that they have played in, uh, with the exception of, I guess, the 49ers game and the Bengals game. They are, they are a team that continues to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do like what they're doing. But if you're the Baltimore Ravens, you shouldn't be – that game shouldn't be that close. No. Kerry, you guys played. What was uh, Coach Tomlin's line? If, if we're playing in it, it's the game of the week oh, or yeah. something like yep. that? Yep. We, we didn't play we, 4 o'clock, 4 p.m., yeah. 4.05, 4.25 Eastern time. Those were the games we played. And we didn't yeah. play in many 1 o'clock games. Wasn't our thing. Mm-hmm. We the prime time <laughs> game. Either, either 4 or 7. As the times we were playing. That was the expectation. Philly's got a bye week next week. At Kansas City on Monday night, November 20th. Home against Buffalo, 325 on Sunday, November 26th. Home against San Francisco, 325 on December 3rd. At Dallas on uh, Sunday night, uh, December 10th. Then they've got Seattle, 325 at Seattle on December 17th. And then they've got... uh, Monday, Christmas Day, 3.30 against the Giants. And then finally, they play Arizona at home at noon on the 31st. So every single one of the Eagles, one, two, three, four, five, six, next six games, every single one of them will be to at least 95% of the country. Yeah. It's the game of the week because we're playing in it. Yep. That's the expectation. They are the best team in the league right now. They took one one terrible loss. It was absolutely horrible uh, in New York to the Jets. Turned mm-hmm. the ball. I mean, you know, Jalen Hurts was throwing the ball. He forgot what color uniform. They both are green. I think he forgot yep. which color uniform they were wearing that day because uh, he turned the ball over too many times. But they are the the best team in the NFL right now. I don't think that they are vulnerable. I, I don't think, think so either. I think they're that good. Defensive line, defensive secondary, They they play the game the right way, run the ball when they need to, and they are going to 
throw the ball to A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith is going to make big plays as well. You ever it's heard like of that guy? Oh, yeah, He's we a, have. Had, where, did he, where was he from? Mm, we don't have to talk about oh, it. Okay. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. Let's not talk about that. But it is interesting because we were talking about the NFL at the beginning of the season and going back to the 49ers. We were saying that basically it felt like the 49ers were the team to be mm-hmm. this season as long as they stayed healthy. And now, to me, the Eagles, they look like the team to beat right now. They are the most solid all around. But it felt like that was the 49ers for so long. And I know that Kyle Shanahan is going to he's going to stick by Brock Purdy. But I wonder if people in San Francisco wish they would have gotten an opportunity to see, to see Darnold yesterday. Mm. I, I don't think so. I think people may have wanted to. There was a guy in Kirk Cousins that they I think they were mm-hmm. intrigued in prior to the injury. Shanahan loves him. Yeah. So yeah. I think that may have been. But it, Brock Purdy is turning the ball over more yes. than he has, mm-hmm. you know, in his entire career. Obviously, an early young career, but. The last couple of games, just been turning the ball, throwing it to the opposite team more than he's accustomed. Than we're accustomed to seeing him. And I think Debo Samuel being out, not having that that blanket to be able to you know cover everything. And George Kittle, you got to find your guys. But he's turning the ball over too much right now for this team. How would you have liked to have played for Mike March, who said when Kurt threw an interception, I don't care. Let's just go get another touchdown next That's time. Wonderful. <laughs> if you're a quarterback and you can just throw the ball, oh, yeah. whatever. Take care of it or don't. Oh, you know. those were the days. <laughs> That's our NFL segment on 101 ESPN. Coming up, a tough night for City at City Park. The rush hour reset is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. It's 901 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Time for our rush hour reset where we look at the headlines of the morning that we gave you earlier on. But the listenership turns over, doesn't it? Over the course of a couple of hours. So we want you to know that St. Louis City SC lost their playoff opener last night to Sporting Kansas by a score of 4-1. to one. At least it wasn't 4-0 at City Park. A game that started at about, what, 9-25 and ended late. And it was rainy and it was cold and it was miserable. And then Bradley Carnell had to talk about it. Not a not a good result for us by any means. Um, you know, that didn't take away the occasion from the fans. You know, I want to thank the fans for coming out here. I thought the energy was electric. I thought the, the energy that they, they put out from the beginning of the game was amazing. Um, you know, and then we go a goal down and show great response uh, a minute later. Um, and then two two moments get away from us. Um, shots from range. I think all three of the goals shots from shots shots from range. And then we're standing three one down the bottom of a barrel. So you know, we've we've punched teams like this in the face a few times, and and now we know what it feels like. So you know, I think part of being a being a champion is also knowing how to lose. So I mean, yeah, tonight. Uh, we get knocked in the face and, and uh, we couldn't really respond in the moments or didn't get rewarded for the moments that we, we got in front of goal. And uh, yeah, we couldn't really quite get those critical moments in our favor to turn the game around. So, yeah, I mean, we had a few moments. Uh, don't We unfortunately don't score the goal. Um, but yeah, we just, uh, you know, lacked a little bit of urgency at certain times. You know, they, they played a very direct ball. Um, credit to them. As Mike Tyson once so famously said, everybody's got a plan. Till you get punched in the mouth. Exactly. Yep. And that's the big thing is, okay, you get punched in the face, 
We'll see the response by whether if this was a knockout or not. Knockout saying that you have no response whatsoever. You were punched in the face. You can't get back up. Or were you punched in the face where you kind of stumble back a little bit and you're able to respond in this next match? And that's what you need to see. And I think it goes to with Sam Dinneran needs to be with Jao Klaus or Gio. I think that it starts there. You need to be aggressive from the beginning. You need to be the one that is doing the first punch in this match. Absolutely. Uh, Tim Parker scored the goal for St. Louis City SC. What, what happened defensively, though? Yeah, I think, um, you know, a couple of them came down to first and second balls that we weren't aggressive enough to step in and win. And then, yeah, I mean, when, when you're not closing the ball down from from a certain distance, you know, they have good enough players to, to, to punish you. So uh, I think we definitely felt the brunt end of that time. We'll get them next week. Next Sunday at 4 o'clock, Game 2. Go City. I don't know if it was the second or third goal. They just couldn't get it out of the box. They could not clear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the opportunity to score was there. It, it presented, and there was a couple of guys had a couple of opportunities, Berkey being one of them, could not get it out of their own box. And, you know, you, you give up that many opportunities, that many chances. That close proximity of your own goal, you're probably going to give up a goal. We have Monday Night Football tonight here on 101 ESPN. Lions and Raiders pregame at 6.30. You will hear that one with Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner. Also tonight, you've got Game 3 of the World Series at Chase Field in Phoenix. The Arizona Diamondbacks pitching Brandon Fott against the St. Louisan. Max Scherzer of the Rangers. The energy in Phoenix is going to be tremendous. I love the way Fott has thrown so far. And I kind of think... The Diamondbacks have found themselves. Uh, I don't think their young kids care where they are right now. They're they're aggressive. They're running like heck. They're stealing bases. I think Arizona's going to win Game Three. But There's, the Rangers have been really good yeah. on the road. They're what are they eight and zero on the road this postseason? Mm-hmm. Does that continue? I feel like that could continue. There is something to be said about being young and dumb when it comes mm-hmm. to the playoffs. You don't know. You have no clue the importance of it. Now, if you're a grizzled veteran that's been in the league for 10, 12, 15 years and never one that pressure is right there on you but if you are a young player and just experience it really experiencing it for the first time mm-hmm. you don't know you don't know what you don't know and you just go out there and have fun i do think brooke to your point it'd be different but scherzer has not yet done it during this postseason and it happens i told the story last week about how i expected chris carpenter go out to go out and do it coming off an injury in 2012 sometimes it just doesn't come back for a guy in a particular year and he's got a lot of miles on him and if i were a rangers fan i would be worried about max scherzer tonight well, yeah, because of what you've seen so far. But I hope that this is we're going to see a different version of Max Scherzer tonight. Either way, I think this has been such an exciting series so far. And maybe we should have picked Tommy Pham to be the former Cardinal that was really going to mm-hmm. hurt you the most during this World Series because he looked really good in that last game, in yeah. Game 2, obviously. Coin toss. Right, because Adolis yeah. was pretty good in Game 1. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll see how the rest of the series pans out. (laughs) But also what Pham did, too, for... Did you guys see with Jace Peterson, there was a lot of backlash Mm -hmm. of why he was pinch-hitting for Tommy Pham, and Tommy Pham came out afterwards defending, saying, no, I... 
I told him to do that. I wanted him to be able to get that opportunity. I think that shows that Tommy Pham, as much as we kind of make jokes at his expense sometimes with some of his personal stuff outside of baseball, I think that he is a good clubhouse guy in the sense of he showed his veteran leadership in mm-hmm. that moment. Remember one time we had him on the fast lane and talked about a team meeting. <laughs> Remember that? Said, yes. Yeah, he said his thing, Wayno said his thing, and then I said my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know, here's the thing. Nobody's going to tell him no, because no. who's going to tell Tommy, no, we don't need you to speak right now? I, I love Tommy Fam. He's one of my yeah. favorite all-time I just, players. I love the image of just like, well, guys, now that those two have spoken, obviously <laughs> I'm the natural third <laughs> the in the nation's clubhouse. <laughs> right. no. hey, don't mind if I do. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the, the the grizzled veteran on that team. He's though. a He's great the guy to have on that one, team. Uh, one of the older ones playing on that team yeah, right now. Longoria, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of playoff experience, so he's a great guy to have on that team. The Blues on the heels of their 5-0 loss to the Van Blanking Coover Canucks uh, on Friday night are tough. headed to Colorado to take on the Avalanche on Wednesday night. And uh, guys, I don't know if you've seen this, but the Avalanche are pretty good. Uh, so this will be a game that it's it's not going to define the Blues, but it'll present them the biggest test that they've had so far this year. They're six and two, although they've lost their last two, and they lead the Central Division by three points. Colorado does over the Dallas Stars. Well, surely since they did terrible against the Canucks, then this will be a good game, right? <laughs> Question mark. You'd hope that it be, be would be a good game, and please don't call me Shirley. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't call we'll, me Shirley. we'll see what it'll look like with Verona coming back. With him being a healthy scratch for two games, I know that Jeremy Rutherford of the Athletic has a great article about what Verona had to say about that. And in the article, he has some great quotes about how he really took that in, and we'll see how he responds in this game back. I think it's really interesting how kids. Kids like Verana that are so talented, I'm sure that they got to the NHL without having to give 100%. And sometimes you just don't realize how hard it is to play at that level. That was, to me, one of the most amazing things about Orlando Pace, who is maybe the most gifted offensive lineman I've ever seen. But he tried so hard when he was a player. It's really easy, especially when you're a big guy and you can dominate people, to be lazy. But the best of the best are the people that have the unbelievable skills and pair it with the unbelievable work ethic. When you are, when when you're given that much talent, God-given talent, you and you don't maximize it by working your butt off, you're really doing a disservice to yourself and to your teammates. Um, and I don't know if that's the case with Verona, but I, I know that, you know, guys that are talented like that, when you match that with work ethic, th- those are the Hall of Famers. Those are the guys that become you know, legends in whatever sport that they're playing because they are willing to outwork. They're already better than you, but they're willing to outwork those that aren't nearly as good as them. The guy that you played with or against, that it fits that mold. For me, seeing those guys, Isaac Bruce mm-hmm. is oh, Ike, there. I mean, I worked out with Ike, so yeah. Ike and Aeneas are yeah. definitely right. those top two. And, of, yep. like, top of the top. Right. When I talk about gifted, yep. but will outwork anyone every single day. The, the people that I covered are those two and Albert. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's so obvious, right? <laughs> oh, Albert, just even watching him in his final season, uh, of course, I didn't get to see him here in his prime, but still the amount of work that he put in, seeing that behind the scenes, I mean, he was constantly working out, mm-hmm. reviewing things. You even saw him, of course, during the games or in the broadcast of him going back and watching things on the iPad. He was just really nonstop, so focused on everything. And I think about on the other end of it, and this is obviously we're talking about hockey, but just thinking of players who didn't mm-hmm. have that talent but didn't put in the full effort. I think of Carlos Martinez. Mm-hmm. He was Great so call. talented, but he didn't ever really want to take that extra step to mm-hmm. really you know, keep that talent going or taking it to that elite level, which we knew that he had the potential of. So what about guys that you played with or against? It would be Troy Palomalu would be one guy that I know that worked, worked, worked tirelessly. Like we would be playing cards in the player's lounge. Troy would be on on the computer watching film and figuring out what was going Mm. on for, I mean, he could tell you based on down and distance, based on personnel, based on the receiver's alignment, with about an 85 to 90% accuracy rate that what play was coming. He was absolutely amazing. And work ethic, a guy that worked harder than anybody else, but probably not as talented, James Harrison. James Harrison, he's going to outwork everybody. But, but you know, undrafted free agent, you know, but a guy that worked his way into being an elite pass rusher, an elite defensive player, player of the year, defensive player of the year, just one of those guys – you know he's working. You better batch his level. There is a great story in the Redeem Team documentary about the team going out in Vegas, coming back at like 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. They come back and they walk past the gym in the hotel, and there's Kobe working yeah. out and sweating. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you have to be obsessive. That's that's a difference, is being obsessive and wanting to put in that extra work. And you know, maybe that's what the Blues need to do. Just be what who do you think is the guy that you could kind of put in that category of being obsessive right now? Because I think Ryan Jordan O'Reilly Benning watching him behind the scenes and he's gone. Ryan O'Reilly's gone now. But watching Ryan O'Reilly and how he went about things, last guy off the ice, first guy on the ice was obsessive. Even with his workout routines, he was just so focused and locked in. I think Jordan Bennington, to your point, CD, yeah. is probably the only one that I could think of right now at this moment. Yeah. And to get back to the start of this, hopefully Verona, he's told Jeremy Rutherford he got the message. Hopefully he'll be able to live up to his skill set because his skill set is enormous. That is our Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we'll find out what Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, thinks Verona is capable of next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Bring out the ceremony! Time for Curbside with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. The veteran voice of the St. Louis Blues is Chris Kerber, who joins us every Monday morning here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN and is with us now. Curbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing well. It was uh, a late night at City Park, but uh, this morning, refreshed and ready to go. That's what we like to hear. Okay, your first year as the Voice of the Blues was 2000, correct? Correct. And I know you've seen a lot of momentum swings over the years. And sure, we have selective memory. We have recency bias. I don't remember a momentum swing as dramatic as Thursday and Friday nights. Uh, that one was about as big a swing as you're going to get. I, 
I mean, I was trying to think of, and, I, and I'm sure there's been a period or two where you where the Blues have been just completely dominated. I mean, that that that's not all that unusual for any hockey team, even good ones in a good season. Uh, but what was so lopsided about that first period uh, against the Vancouver Canucks was the shot attempts, 35-4. to four. <laughs> I mean, the shots on goal were 19-3, to three, and i got to be honest with you, I'm not sure where two of those three came from, <laughs> okay? Like, we were, okay, so let's, you, you guys will appreciate this, okay? I understand that statistical accuracy is important, okay? And, and where most of the off-ice officials sit in a lot of these buildings – you're so far away from the ice. Like, so, some of this stuff is, is just hard, okay? So the National Hockey League contracted with a company that helps make sure, like, shots on goal and some other things are accurate. So what will happen is you'll get, like, the score sheet after the first period, and it, it'll say, like, shots on goal 12 to 11, right? Say Let's say Blues over Calgary 12 to 11. And then – like halfway through the second period, you'll notice that the first period shots were changed to 11 to 11. And you're going, really? The one shot on goal is worth changing the stat sheet, right? Well, I started thinking about this, and I'm like, if you hire a company to make sure that you're accurate, if they don't find mistakes, then what's the point of having the company? So we're guaranteed to get, like, something changed <laughs> if you think about this. Like, they're like, I don't care if there's one or not. But at one point, the score, the score clock said just one shot on goal. I looked down at the stat sheet. It had two, and I'm like, I don't remember that shot from Butch Navich. <laughs> and and Joe is doing it. He's like, I don't either. I mean, it was to your point. It was just so crazy lopsided that, uh, um, man, it, it was it, it was a it was a dominating performance by Vancouver in every way. Curves, why the inconsistency? Why win well then lose as poorly as they as they do? Well, I think you've got to look at the competition, Kerry. I think that they, the way the Blues played, they, they played a good game against Calgary. But they, but the way that they played against Calgary, say coming through the neutral zone at times, and some of these little touch passes, uh, the Canucks were just deflecting it down and, and, and kind of being ready for it. So to me, it was the fact that you've got a speedier Vancouver team a more skilled forward Vancouver team, a better defensive group with Vancouver than you had with Calgary. And some of the things that made you look really good against Calgary, which is not very good, it it didn't work against a better team. So I think that was probably a really big part of why you saw one game versus the next. Herbs, uh, Rana healthy scratch for two games. What did you think of that decision from Craig Berube? Well, listen, Craig met with... The, the broadcasters uh, prior to the start of the season. We had a little powwow with them, no microphones in the room, no cameras in the room. And when we asked, uh, somebody asked a question about last season. And, and the question was, as a coach, what'd you take out of it? What'd you learn? And he said something very telling. Now, he wouldn't go into the exact details of what he was talking about, but he did say that I learned that. You know, there are a couple things I could have done differently. I didn't do them. He goes, but he goes, had I done them, they, they probably would have pissed some people off. He goes, that won't happen again this year. So we reply with, so you're going to take some people off if you need to. And he says, yep. And and I think he realized kind of what's at stake for him. And, and I honestly, reading the tea leaves, I took that to me, maybe sitting some people, pulling some guys from the lineup and not really caring, right? 
the the sitting of Verona is an interesting one because at the time, you know, he was tied, he was second on the team in scoring with three points. But Craig Berube didn't like a lot of his play around the puck, thought there were too many benign minutes. And so he sent a message saying, look, this is not just about scoring goals. This is about how we need you to play all around as a forward and, and the expectations there. So my guess is it was the expectation was it was going to be a one game, you know, and then back in there. But then when they dominated and played the way they did against Calgary, three, nothing, he came back with the same lineup. So um, it's, it's early season message sending. Uh, and uh, whether it was Verona or anybody else on the team, no problem with it whatsoever. I don't think Jacob was, uh, or Yakub. I don't think he was happy with it, but uh, I, I, I'm glad somebody's not happy with being benched. So we'll see how they re- how he responds uh, if he's in the lineup against uh, Colorado on Wednesday. Now, Curbs, I think it's easy to sit a guy that you claimed uh, last year, uh, that you got last year, but is it, as easy to sit a guy like Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo if they aren't performing well, how would that go over? Well, yeah, I don't think it would go over great with the player, but I also think that if Craig Berube this year feels that he has to, he'd do it. I really do believe that. Um, I don't think this had anything to do with with that part. I think, you know, you might see, and Joe Vitale brought this up. Actually, we touched on it on, on our reaction podcast too there's good you may not see certain offensive numbers at the beginning of the season with Cairo and Thomas because of the fact of they are now like you're not hiding behind Ryan O'Reilly you're not hiding behind um and not that they were trying to hide but you know the other team had to contend with Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly and, and guys like that now they don't have to and so Cairo and Thomas are going to be getting they're the best of the best every single night. And you know what, guys? For the most part, they've done a really good job keeping those guys in check. You know, the Blues have been beaten by some other players, and it typically hasn't been, you know, the top-line guys for the other team. I think our top six has done a really good job, uh, for the most part, against the, the other top players, you know, of the team. So that part's trending uh, well defensively. So there's, there's, it's a little more complicated, I think, with those two than it would be with the role they're asking Verona, to be honest with you, Kerry. But, I, again, I get the sense that if, if he needs to, he has no problem doing it. Hey, Curbs, uh, an epic battle yesterday between your New York Giants and the New York Jets. Did you get a chance oh. to take that one in? Uh, no. <laughs> Good. I saw, I, hey, Liz, I, I will tell you this. I saw a score of three to nothing when I scrolled through some scores, and I almost texted Kerry and said, "Hey, they're winning." <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just saw that Daniel Jones is going to be back for the next weekend, so uh, that'll be good. No, my focus this weekend. We had, uh, uh, let's see, we, we got back in town about five thirty in the morning uh, Saturday morning from Vancouver. Uh, we had uh, we had an early morning soccer game uh, for Ava. A, a game and St. Joseph won that game which was good and then that afternoon Parkway West played against St. Pius in uh, round one of the state volleyball tournament and uh, and St. Pius beat West but well, I'm going to tell you what that St. Pius team was really good but congratulations to the Parkway West varsity girls they won their district I think that's terrific and then uh, and then we had another uh, we had a club soccer game for Ava last night before the city game so it was a good a good weekend of youth sports and then catching city play. Love it. Curbs, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a good trip to Denver. Uh, Brooke, was there one other thing you wanted to ask about? Go ahead. 
Uh, yes, it was just, it's definitely switching gears because we were kind of ending on a happy note there. But Curbs, I know that the NHL community is really mourning the loss of former Penguins player Adam Johnson. So I just wanted to ask you about that because it's definitely brought into a bigger conversation if net guards should be mandated. Yeah. It's an interesting one, Brooke. Um, I, and, and, you know, the team's off today, so might get some more reaction tomorrow on this one. I did spend some time going through Adam Johnson's bio, and I don't think he was teammates with anybody. Even though he played two years at Duluth, it was right before Scott Perunovich got there and, and after Justin Falk had left. So he wasn't teammates with anybody on on this Blues roster that I was able to, to figure out there. Um, it's an interesting one. Uh, I've seen guys with wrists get cut before. I've seen that happen twice in games. Uh, obviously, you know, Randy, as well as anybody, will remember the Clint Malarchuk situation that – had he been on the other end of the ice, he probably he probably dies. Um, yeah, this one's sad. Uh, guys wear, for example, um, uh, I was talking, I don't know if it was Kevin Hayes I was talking to, but some of the, the, the undergarments that he would, no, it was Nick Letty. And, you know, like he wears an undershirt that, uh, I, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's like a level six out of nine when it comes to, like, being able to prevent you from getting hurt by a shark bite, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. So a little more detail to that. So guys do take some care of that. But, yeah, net guards hasn't been part of it. Uh, this one's going to be an interesting one now that this this uh, tragically happened. And um, it's going to take some talks between the NHL, the NHLPA, to see what it goes. We have seen, Brooke, look, it, it took a, it took a, a 12-year-old girl dying in after getting hit with a puck in Columbus that led to the netting, I think, in 2011, right? Um, it, it's it was coming out of the 0304 oh, I'm sorry the 0405 lockout that the league mandated visors for everybody and the only people that uh, don't wear visors now are were grandfathered in um so yeah safety things have been coming and they continue to come we'll see what happens on this but that really was a, a sad and tragic accident over in England Curbs thanks so much and we'll talk to you soon we'll hear from you from Denver on Wednesday night All right. Have an awesome week, you three. Talk to you a little later. See you later. That is the Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber. Coming up next, the Blues appear to be headed towards changing some lines around. Is that necessary? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. team takes 70 shots at your net and you take 35 at the other net and obviously some of those are blocked some of those missed but when what happened on Friday night happens when Vancouver takes 70 and the Blues take 35 you got to change things up and yesterday in practice Craig Berube did just that he had Kapanen and Buchnevich on the wings for Robert Thomas, moving Robert Kairou in with uh, Shen, who's between Kairou and Saad. Then he has Kevin Hayes between Neighbors and Verana, and then Alexandrov between Sunquist and Blay, with Toropchenko not skating. And then on defense, Scandella was with Pareko, Krug and Falk, Perunovic and Bortuzzo, and then Letty with Tucker. Let's concentrate on what's happening up front, though. Do you like let's let's go through each of the four groups. Do you like the change with Kapanen joining Thomas and Buchnevich? I'm not. I, I hope if if Kapanen will go to the net, I like it. 
But otherwise, I would prefer to have a sharpshooter on that line. That's what I feel like is missing, right? And maybe this is Thomas kind of setting up Buchnevich more or vice versa. But I do feel like it is missing that. It's just missing somebody who will shoot. And we have seen Thomas shoot a little bit more this season. But I I don't know. Mm-hmm. that It feels like something is missing from that line. I wasn't exactly expecting Casper Kapanen to be moved up to the top line. And he's 6'1", 194, but he, he plays reasonably big. He's a guy that I think could spend time in the paint and be one of those guys. But they definitely need somebody on that line. And Kairou isn't that guy. But Chinevich, they, they need a four-checker on that line. And, and Kapanen, do. We, we do know, will four-check. Yes. Will he shoot the puck? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> you kind of need that, don't you? Know you? That's important. But he can at least take away the goalie's eyes. Well, you, you you have to ask Thomas and Butchnevich to shoot the puck, and he can be the physical presence on that line. You, you'd ideally like to have all three, and you don't have that with Cairo on that line. No. But the thing is, you just need to get those guys to shoot the puck to take advantage of the goalie not having eyes. Well, you definitely need to shoot the puck if you want to score the goal. Right. I, I You know, I'm not a... I've never pretended to be a hockey player, but I mm-hmm. do think in order to score, you got to shoot, and they don't shoot enough. Yep. And there are too many shots that they receive and not enough being taken. 31st in the eh, league in shots per game. Out of 32 teams. You do yeah, increase San that. San Jose's only okay. worse. Okay, so Shen between Saad and Kairou. I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, it, it depends on... I think that I think that's good. I thought Saad up on the the line when Buchnevich was out with Kairu and Thomas. I thought that was going to be a good thing. Uh, they decided to put Buchnevich back up there after he returned from the injury. Who knows? I mean, these guys have to. They just have to play better collectively. We were talking about it earlier, uh, and Kevin Hayes not being what you know you thought he would be after being traded. Maybe he needs to be on the line with some of those guys that are going to shoot the puck, some guys that are more aggressive. He did a really good job. I think it was against the Flames where you talked about him going behind the net, keeping control of the puck, getting the puck to, um, was it Letty that took the shot and, and making that mm-hmm. shot? It was, a, it was a great possession for him. Maybe he needs to have more of those opportunities with some of the guys that are goal scorers, guys that are actually going to shoot the puck and he can control it and get it to them and they can take those one-timers. Well, and with Brandon Shin and Jordan Kyrie together, they have played together before, but I almost wonder if this is Berube in some ways, this is just me kind of spitballing here, in some ways trying to push Kyrou in a certain direction because if you guys remember, during that one practice, mm-hmm. Brayden Shin and Jordan Kyrou cut into a little bit of a shoving match, and so maybe there's something there in trying to push Jordan Kyrou in a certain way, and they have played together before, so maybe there is a benefit there. And Kyrou does lead the team in shots with 23. The problem is, is only one of them has gone in, and if it's not working with your elite playmaker, Robert Thomas, try something else and try to get your elite playmaker with somebody else as well. So, to the third line then, with Hayes and Neighbors and Verona, if Kevin Hayes plays the game that we're talking about, I like this line a lot, because Neighbors has playmaking making ability, and we know Verona can shoot and, and skate. Mm-hmm. In fact, this group... Hayes isn't as fast as those two, but I, I'm really intrigued by this line if yeah. Kevin Hayes is willing to go in and be the four-checker that we expect him to be. Kevin Hayes has been 
disappointing to say the least, I think, this season. It seems like he's been a step behind in these games, especially in that last loss. That was not a good game for him whatsoever. I think that with Verona, we have been talking a lot lot about Verona just because he was a healthy scratch for the past two games. And somebody texted and we're talking a lot about Verona when we should be looking at some of these other players that they brought in, like a Hayes and even the re-signing or the signing, excuse me, uh, contract extension of Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. And that is a good point. It shouldn't be a lot of pressure on Verona. I think that the potential is fully there. And I hope that Hayes can do better in these next Mm -hmm. few games because this is, I know that they brought him in to be more of a glue guy, but you also need a guy that can string together a little bit better of a performance on a consistent basis. And the way I'm looking at this, I already think I know what Jordan Cairo is. 37, 38, 39 goal score. I know I know what Robert Thomas is. He's a playmaker, although he has taken the second most shots on the team this year, but ultimately he's a playmaker. Verona scored 10 goals in 20 games once he came to the Blues last year. He's a guy with big upside potential. And I just want to see him be his best. I want to see him achieve that potential. Not for the Blues, not for me, not for my edification. I want to see him do it for him. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just want to see him Is that succeed. what it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and so I want to see him put in the best position to succeed. But when he's put in that position to succeed, he needs to take advantage of it. And it, it's not pressure because he's got the skill set to do it. It's just <laughs> if he plays hard, we saw it last year, he can be something special. And all I want to see him do is be that hard-playing Goal every game guy. I want to be see him become a 40-goal scorer and make a lot of money in the NHL. That would be great. And I think that the Blues would really benefit from that this season because that's what we were we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier is it feels like they're missing just some pieces there when it comes from a talent and skill standpoint. And with separating Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, I imagine that when they gave them those contract extensions that they were envisioning that those two would be playmakers together on the same line for the, the future. No doubt. No doubt. That was the expectation. Yeah, and and that would be the hope that uh, you could get that sort of production, $8 million type production out of those guys. And it's interesting also, when when you look at the top teams in the league, they have superstars. Uh, As much as we don't like Marsh and Boston is second in the Mm -hmm. league, and Boston's always good. But Vegas went out and got Eichel last year, and he's clearly a superstar and was great in the Stanley Cup Finals. Colorado has McKinnon. We know all about their great defense with McCarr and uh, Gerard and that gang. The best teams in the league seem to have superstars that are playing at a superstar level, and that's where the Blues need to get sooner rather than later. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. And heading down the stretch, we're going to have a little edition of Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Andrew Rocky, what do we got for rock and roll? Well, this 
came across uh, the Houston Chronicle is has picked up a story of one of the most unfortunate no fun league instances that I've ever seen in a long time and I'm going to read this directly from the Houston Chronicle the NFL's merchandising and licensing division has sent a strongly worded cease and desist letter to the University of Houston to stop any further further unauthorized use of the Oilers trademarked quote unquote love you blue uniform do yourself a favor just google right now Houston Cougars baby blue you'll see the uniform we're talking about in a letter obtained by the Houston Chronicle through an open records request an attorney for the NFL threatened legal action if the University did not immediately stop what the league described as the University of Houston's quote-unquote blatant copying of the Oilers-inspired throwback jerseys. It also demanded that the university discontinue all sales of merchandising and remove any promotional campaign or social media posts that feature the popular light blue or Columbia blue with red stripes color scheme and design. University of Houston has said that it is not the same color blue, it is a slightly different shade, and that the baby blue is part of Houston history, not just Oilers history, and that's what they were trying to go for your thoughts on the NFL cracking down on the University of Houston and these I'm sorry I will say this gorgeous jerseys they are gorgeous it looks it looks a tad bit darker to me the Houston ones compared to the obviously Houston Oilers throwback that the Titans wore this past weekend I I mean, it, it, it does. Looks it like looks the, the same, Oilers but the it helmets. does say Houston. It says, yeah, it on it. Houston. Not, it says Houston, not Oilers. It, it, Again, there's it, a reason that the yeah. Oilers chose those colors. It's because light blue is it, it, it apparently was a was a uh, color that <laughs> there was, like the police department wore like, like a different color, like light blue, and they were trying to like copy that with the uniforms back in the day for the Oilers. So it's not just a. Oilers thing, and again, it is a slightly different shade than what darker. the Oilers it does look is. A little darker, right? It's a little darker, but I mean, I think they're trying to. You know what they're trying to do? Can can you yeah, hold colors history. away yeah, from other teams? It's kind of weird. Be able to tap in the history it's of, a, of it's Houston a football. Color, like I don't think you can do that. But and if I'm not mistaken, when the Titans, <laughs> when the Oilers became the Titans in Tennessee. The league said they were retiring the Oilers' name and colors. Yeah. The league said that. Yeah. So if you've retired it, that means you aren't using it anymore, even though they're using it to sell merchandise to Oilers slash Titans fans. Of course they are. Which is kind of stupid <laughs> in and of itself. But it's, uh, it, I don't see, I, I'm not a lawyer, but how does, how does a judge say, yeah, you're right. They have the same colored jerseys as you, so they can't sell them anymore. Well, the design does look very similar, other than it obviously saying it, Houston. That's a well-designed it, but... jersey. You're hitting the nostalgia points, and you're not copying it directly. I, I think this is exactly what you're supposed to do. But you know what's ridiculous? Why haven't they done that to Iowa? <laughs> I, because... Iowa said they were copying the Steelers jerseys. That's true. Hayden Fry <laughs> That's a very was a Steelers point. fan and said he was copying the huh. Steelers jerseys. So why, why, similar. Yeah, why, why hasn't that been sued? That's a great point. Yeah. Now you're going to get Iowa. Well, like I mean, I, I, fans. what is he going to get to? Like, like if you know, is Michigan going to start suing people if they do like certain kind of like helmet decals that right. like you know like spread out from the center of the helmet or some goofy yeah. thing like that? Like, did, did Iowa State start suing people? They're like, you can't do sack, you can't do stickers on your helmet for sacks and stuff for your players. That's that's an Iowa, that's an Ohio State thing. Yeah, like that, what, where's the line? That league is so stupid. <laughs> It's one thing when they do it to themselves and like they screw over other NFL teams, but this is across now. Now they're now they're coming after college football, and that just bothers me even more. You, did you know, by the way, 
that the original Jaguars logo was the exact same as the car, and the the Jaguar car oh, company really? did sue them, Shocking. and that's why they have a, a Jaguar head on the side of their Ooh. helmet now, rather than the Jaguar logo that the, the car uses. This does this does make me mention Friday was the two year anniversary. I almost used it in the fight. Friday was the two year anniversary of when the Cleveland Guardians tried to change their name. And got taken to court by a uh, men's roller derby team that oh, was already I called. I thought it was a woman. Was, sorry, was, was it a woman? Oh, it, it, it was a roller. Well, I think it was a women's roller derby team that got that took. That was already called the Cleveland Guardians, and they was like, <laughs> "Yeah, we just decided not to check." I love they I love copyright stuff. The caught, dumbest huh? thing in the entire world. Also, we've got a lot of text today um, talking about the NFL. We got a lot of text today about Ryan Tannehill, who obviously doesn't need his spot uh, with Tennessee Titans. So we're rehoming, rehoming him, and a lot of people are throwing out the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, my thing is, is that there's a pretty clear winner in the in the NFC North, and your team's not that great aside from Kirk Cousins. Why wouldn't why wouldn't Ryan Tannehill be better with like I don't know the New York Jets have a really good defense and they've won three in a row. They have won three in a row and could anything. need better quarterback. Uh, they need better quarterback play. Did you, wa- <laughs> did you watch the game on Sunday? I'm I'm, I'm saying Ryan they Tannehill need better the Jets. offensive line play. Well, you're not going to get that. So you know. So you're and, just going to put in a different quarterback yeah. that's going to get quarterback doesn't matter. I'm just saying if we're I mean the 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 Vikings should just go on a sale just like the Titans are going to. Daniel Hunter is probably going to get traded in be playing in a, a high-level playoff game for one of these teams that's actually good. I, I, if I'm the Vikings, I don't know why I'm wasting my time trading for people, but if I'm the Jets, I've kind of sunk everything into this season already. Might as well take another shot at it. I don't know that Ryan Tannehill is the answer that you are seeing. <laughs> is he an upgrade over <laughs> Zach Wilson? Here. I don't know. I don't okay, that's a problem. I don't know. That's a, that's a fantastic <laughs> This is when your team started for seven weeks, Brooke? <laughs> seven for yeah. four years. Yeah. 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 Remember when I said Marcus Mariota got shafted or kicked out, and then you have Ryan Tannehill coming yeah. in in that 2019 campaign? It's like that all over again. At least we have Will Levis now. I guess we have to see how he does yeah, in some the, more the, games. The, I don't Atlanta know. Falcons moved. Well, they had their backup quarterback. Brooke, there's a certain amount of games that they've won in a row. I'm gonna have to start. You're gonna have to start putting mayo in your coffee. Oh, let's Ugh. not make that bet. I can't do that. Would you try you sure it you one time? Want, you sure you Would I to? try it yeah, one try time? It sounds like a fun bet. Try it one time. What if they win if five it, in a row? Okay, five in a row. Maybe yeah, we'll it. talk. If, if Will Levis do specifically, we have, a, do we have a deal. Yes. Five, five in a row. row. Okay, fine. We got a deal. Mayo in the coffee if they he win. He was joking they... about that, right? Like, there's no, no way he seriously That's puts gross. mayo in his coffee. He's... He did get a contract with, um, is he's it sick. Hellman's Mayo? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the big one? That's gross. Mayo boy. Hey, yeah. he can have all the mayo he wants if he can so do you, that. Five games. I'm okay, the biggest Titans fan in the world right now. <laughs> God, I will be. I'm going to be for them so down. much. This is not the reason why they, you guys should be Titans play? fans. Who do they play going forward? Let's look at their schedule. Let's see who the who the old Tennessee Titans got coming up. So they have. They got the Steelers this weekend. It's a little Swinable. soft. Oh, it actually is. It's a little soft, they got bro. At Buccaneers winnable. Uh, what if we they say can beat if the he can, Jags? Maybe maybe we change it to they have to go undefeated go to the, the rest Panthers? of the season. Oh, you might be drinking mayo in your coffee. <laughs> What? They can we change it to undefeated down. for the rest of the season? <laughs> Why? A bet is a bet. A bet is a bet. Randy knows this very well. Don't you, sir? I have lost a few. There you go. But it was, yours was a, a chocolate tattoo. bunny. Well, you got a tattoo. I got a tattoo. Yeah. I already want to bet with myself because I had myself plus 10,000 that I got Brooke to agree to any kind of mayo in the coffee bet. And it cleared, baby. Ka-ching, ka It's a beautiful thing. Well, there's that. Oh, yeah.
We have to see it. I, I'm, I would prefer. Oh what, no! What? I mean, that's uh, her morning coffee. That's how yeah. she. That's how she starts. That's how she's going to start Ooh. off the show that day. Um, yes, and you'll be able to see it. When it does happen on our YouTube channel, our Air Alliance team studio cam, just go to 101 ESPN STL on YouTube and you'll Gets be able to see it. going. Mm. Uh, great job today by our Is producer audio Is there a thing called engineer. tasteless mayo? Uh, Something like that. Pleasure. Yeah. Uh, you like? Thanks. Uh, so, Brooke, until the last That's two so minutes, gross. was this fun? Yeah, uh, yeah. How about that? How about that? How about that? Yeah, buddy. CD? Oh. Something, something. something. Yeah. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? Hey, we've got Lions and Raiders tonight, and you can watch on TV World Series Game 3. You've got a great show coming up, a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax, followed by BK and Ferrario and the Fast Lane for all of us. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Monday, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.